1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: And all the flowers a day. And welcome along. It's episode 120. <laughs> <laughs> but just before we begin, just before we begin, have I ever told you the benefits of driving with Uber? Well, I'm not going to because, um, well, maybe fantasy football Yes, you may know nothing about football. I know nothing about football. American, Australian or New South Wales variety. And today in Victoria, Australia, the world, it's a public holiday. We have thrown a public holiday for a parade that goes through where our football players are actually playing tomorrow in the grand final, final Le Grand. Parade down in cars with people and things. And I was once in that parade, not as a football player, but inside a character costume with kids kicking me in the shins and telling me to fuck off. Anyway, they've thought it so important this year, they've thrown a public holiday. It's our actual sport version of Good Friday. So we now have two Fridays off in the year for religion, one for religion, religion, and the other religion, which is way more important And I sort of feel left out in both of them because I'm both God-challenged and sport-challenged. And probably challenged in a lot of other ways. But did you know you can get yourself a fantastic website through Squarespace? Well, you can when you listen to all the other podcasts, but not necessarily this one. And is that chair you're sitting in comfortable? Is it? It'd be so much more comfortable if you were wearing me undies. Of course, you may want to give mine a bit of a scrape before you put them on and you're not hearing this well, well, go to Audible, because Audible will make your life more oral. And these are all the things that you don't normally get to hear on a podcast that is not either advertising to you or forcing you to pay. Although I am wondering whether I should start up my own, um, I was looking, I was looking at that, uh, what's that thing, you know, that thing, oh, PayPal. And I figured if I gave you my PayPal details, you could give me money. But then, oh, it's all too hard. Although, the Australian dollar is not doing well. When I first started this podcast, $19.99 US per month worked out. It was quite good. Actually. It actually worked out at one point to about $18 Australian. Now it's getting up around about 30 bucks, I think. So if it gets much worse, I may either have to pound you to death with Squarespace, MeUndies, or Uber, and have you considered the benefits of driving with Uber? Drunken assholes getting in your car, vomiting all over your uh, thingo, facing fines from your local, uh, local district, whatever it is, lawmakers, being run off the road by taxi drivers, at the risk of using a racial stereotype, uh, cursing you in their turbans. We do have a lot of Indian taxi drivers, and the other week, at the other week, they all went. They all, yes, all right. I know it's politically incorrect. Calm down. My son-in-law will be. Well, he's not my son-in-law yet, but he's a Sikh and he will be my son-in-law. Um, where was I? Oh, And so they all went on strike just the other week. That It was the same day the trams and trains and everyone was going on strike. Well, we have a Labor government back in power, so, you know, that's bound to happen. And so the taxi drivers right in the middle of the tram strike decided, fuck it, to, to uh, protest against Uber, we'll go on strike as well. And I imagine Uber did very well that day because they would have been the only way you could get anywhere. (coughs) Yeah. So if the Australian dollar goes like that, I soon may have to read all those things to you about how great Uber is and how you can make so many good friends and people. But then again, on the other hand, maybe I won't. I've got cheese stuck in my teeth. Well, it's it's been it's been interesting. Um, The nannies we've had more shootings in America. I saw President Obama of the U.S. on our TV screens today, yet again, be crying that there are just way too many guns, and he's he's the president. He's bloody well powerless to do anything about it. And I said, I said, in America, people have praised Australia because we've got rid of our guns. And then in the next breath, I said, and I said, bloody good thing too, I said. Bloody good thing too, I said. And, uh, and then in the next story, they said how pain-relieving tablets in Australia that contain codeine soon, you might have to only go to the doctor to get them and you won't be able to buy them over the counter. And I said, bloody nanny states, how dare they? And then I realised. But, but I, do, I do feel, for our American listeners, I do feel your president's pain. Now, some of you are sitting there packing heats. And that's understandable because you're not wearing me undies where the soft um, materials seven thousand times softer than cotton. <coughs> but you may be packing heat, and you may disagree. You may say, "Well, you know, what's a few school students getting blown away now and again?" I've got my gun. So, uh, and and. Speaking of which, speaking of double standards and hypocrisy. see, we're all we're all we're all two different people. I am, and so is he. This week I I've never heard of this person before. I'd never I had not heard of them. But I have now. And I'm speaking about a man called Troy Newman. Now Troy Newman M- 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 is a very, shall we say, staunch And uh, active anti-abortionist, lobbyist type person, speaker thing. And the Australian government took away his visa because he was coming here to give us a lecture about stuff. And I never really knew what he stood for until they banned him. And then, of course, the reports over the internet were saying, well, He's the fellow who says any doctor who performs an abortion should be charged with murder and given the death penalty. And I think he said the same thing about the woman coming forward and asking for an abortion. That should all, She should also be tried for murder. Now, how? Hang on. Um, now, prior to that, I wouldn't have known anything of Mr. Newman or what he stood for. And now I do because – so he got on a flight from one American city to another American city. It was all contained on his one ticket. And then from that city to wherever, to Los Angeles and off to good old sunny Australia. Anyway, on his connecting flight prior to the international one, some people at an airport stopped him and said, well, you can't go any further. The the Australian government has taken away your – Taken away your visa to go there, so we can't let you fly there because we will face a fine if you do. And he said, "Well, you mean the Australian government can stop me flying between two American cities?" And they went, "Well, I'm sorry, sir, but it's you're on. You know, it's all on the one ticket. So not to be, not to be, not to be outfoxed by this." Clever Mister Newman thought to himself, "I know. I'll just use a different airline." And uh, and I'll and I'll catch a plane and then join rejoin my connecting flight from Los Angeles. Now you think that the airline involved in the original thing would have radioed ahead, as it were, or Morse coded, and said stop him from getting on the plane because the Aussies have pulled his visa. Well, 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 he they didn't. So he used a completely different brand of airline, joined up with the flight that he was going to get from Los Angeles. Flew to Melbourne and landed without a visa. And now they've put, him, they've put him in airport jail where they probably feed him airplane food. And so as he walked through, they said... Uh, oh, what did they say? What did they say? Oh, That's what they said. Hello, Newman. So that, that... Now, this will give you a level. I don't usually do any production. I actually went onto YouTube, stole those bits and actually edited them down using Audacity. How's that, eh? Listen... Oh, it's oh, they're very they're very sharp, though, aren't they? They're a bit bit harsh to listen to. Hang on, I'll um, for the act of spontaneity, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll EQ them down. Wait a minute. Uh, oh, they already are. Look at that. Oh, I've already got the tops way way down. I'll pull the tops down more. Does that make it any, any better? Let's see. What what do we and and an idea to Mister Newman's character. Hang on.
1: Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. <laughs>
3: Now oh, there we go. See, you can imagine the fun I'm gonna have with this. I did two seconds of editing. I'm gonna use these like crazy. And then at one point I thought I'd I'd punctuate my story by doing this. Oh
1: no Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, all right, all right, right. Oh, no, all right, all right, we get the point. So they put him they put him in a jail cell. Now he's stuck in a jail cell with one of his supporters here said, he's been put in a jail cell with nothing more than a metallic toilet or a metal toilet, you know, a prison toilet. Well, I thought to myself, well, are they likely to have Royal Dalton in a prison toilet? Probably not. Here's my, I'll read the story, but he, I wouldn't have known anything about it. Now, apparently there was a, a nut job in America who got a gun, um, now, now there's a turn up for the books Who shot a, an abortion doctor Well, is that what the word you would use? A boy, well, I suppose they do other things But killed him, killed him and his bodyguard And this, this fellow, I think they put him on um, death row and fried him And apparently like, or maybe they gave him a pill or something Or shot him, I don't know um, Mr Newman supported him throughout his thing Australia doesn't have, we do not see, now this might surprise you Americans, I've said this before, Um, we have a constitution that is based on free speech, extolling the virtues of free speech, but we actually fall short on actually having free speech. So in, uh, in, in the maelstrom and wild, wild west that is the US, people like this fellow can spout out anything they want, pretty much. And, of course, use the um, the auspices of um, free speech. Well, it's my free Hey, it's my free speech. We don't do that here. So we've locked him up. And I disagree quite vehemently with what Mr. Newman has. To, now, I, see, and now you've told me what he stands for, having doctors tried as murderers and all that. So we already know what he's going to say. Whilst you can, we can ban him from coming here and talking, we can't ban the internet. Well, not yet anyway. Um, so now more people than ever, I suspect, know exactly what he has to say because now he's made it onto the news. And a lot of people obviously in the sceptical atheist community, not everybody, but quite a few that have come, come through my Facebook feed and said, well, damn good thing too. So I've Banned. And this is this is my... I look into myself, my own double standard, because I was talking about that before, about something that I've already slipped my mind, but I kind of look at him, and I look at people like, um, you know, the Holocaust denier, David Irving, and a lot of other crazy wacko nut jobs, and I think to myself... Is it really a good idea to ban them from coming and talking? Because rather than shut the door on them, the minute you shut the door on them, um, you're sort of giving them credence in a way. Why? It's like that old, the government doesn't want you to know. This is the cure that'll fix you, but this is the thing the medical profession doesn't want you to know. They don't want you to know. So in a way, these people get more legendary status status Status, because it sort of shows that um, the government, respect some, the government are frightened of them. We're scared of them, so we better shut the shut the doors to them. It's a little bit like Jack Nicholson coming through the door with the axe. Here's Johnny! Well, we get a metal door and keep them out. So anyway, this cheeky bucker has just flown here, which now also he's got the airline in trouble because they now stand to get fined for somehow letting him on a plane. But his wife isn't banned, and she's now fighting it in the high court. So who knows? Maybe on one hand they'll say, all right, well, we've overturned the thing about banning your visa, but since you came here illegally, we're going to kick you out anyway. And then, I, and then I looked at it and then with my usual red-neckedness, I said, well, hang on a minute. Ugh, they're always letting these bloody stupid imams in here, I said, like that to myself. No one heard me because I just said it in my head. But And they're always letting them in and some of them have said horrible things and done horrible things. But, oh, they bring them in for those Islamic conferences? Oh, my, yeah. And I've been, a, I've been a, a, an advocate of banning them from coming here. And then I thought, oh, hang on, is that the hang it, But then that's, hang on, is that a double standard? I don't agree with them, but I'm more in favour of them not being allowed to come here because of the shit that they spout, and I truly do hate them. But then, am I giving him a free pass because, for some reason, you know, is this a test of the whole free speech thing? That, do will I support free speech when it's something I'm so vehemently against? And in the case of Troy Newman, I'm sort of saying I would, but then with some of those imams carrying on with exterminating this and doing that, then I'm all for them being kicked out or not allowed. And then I put the kettle on and I had another coffee and a shiny thing flew past the window and all oh, shiny thing. So I thought, well, let's look at the melting pot that is America. People come out and say horrible things, and then people at least protest against them. And we have a big knee-jerk reaction. Gert Wilders found it hard to get in, but he did get in. And But the same thing with Gert Wilders. I'd never even heard of Gert Wilders until that kerfuffle started. And if you go back to one of the podcasts way back when... It was only that somebody had put up on Facebook, who is this Gert Wilders, why is he being, should we support him as atheist, do we know, blah, blah, blah. blah. And then I just, on the show, read up on him and learned about him as I presented the show. So now I know of Gert Wilders (coughs) because of the kerfuffle banning him for a visa. Now I know Troy Newman because of the kerfuffle about banning him for a visa. And there were a few of those Islamic nutjobs who came here as well. And I will refer to those imams as Islamic nutjobs because they fucking well are. And just like the Bible, the Koran is a book of fucking nutjobs. Um, and that's just the way it is. For me, you may feel differently. You may be one of these people who say, oh, no, they're all books of love. Well, I don't believe they are. I think they're violent, vicious, nasty doctrines of hate. <clears throat> That if I was in charge of the world, I'd have more banned, and then people would say, so "Think of me! How dare! How could you do that? That's terrible!" You're, yes. So anyway, Mister Newman now sits in a rotten, fetid, stinking airport toilet of a jail, and some of you are probably saying, "Bloody good job, too." Now let's read about him. And that's my two cents abc.net.au Mr. Troy Mr. Yeah, Mr. Troy Mr. Troy Mr. Troy was greeted at the airport when they said Oh, God, that's harsh. has been detained at Melbourne Airport after travelling to Australia, the land down under even though his visa had been cancelled. Mr. Newman, who uh, has questioned why doctors who were bought babies are not executed, had his visa cancelled by the Immigration Department yesterday and was stopped from getting on a flight in Denver. Almost heaven, West Virginia, John Denver. But the ABC understands he flew on a United Airlines flight. When I was a kid, there was a popular sticker of two ducks copulating... And flying in the air, they were copulating whilst flying and they said, we fly United. (laughs) I thought that was so funny when I was 14. And a spokesman for the immigration minister, Peter Dutton, who's lost his buttons, said the airline now faces a fine for carriage of a person who does not hold a valid visa. Salad squeezer. Uh, We've also banned that rap dude too, was it Chris Brown? Is Chris Brown the one who belted, was it Rihanna? I don't understand the whole hip-hop thing. He got flung recently too. But then he came out and said something like, don't be following my life path. I'm a good lesson to all that you shouldn't make mistakes. I don't know if he's now. And then he might get flung from New Zealand because apparently New Zealand's rules are if you've been flung by someone else, we're probably going to flung you as well. But that's a different story about a different subject. Let's keep to Mr Newman for the moment before we take on the rest of the atrocities of this world. Since Mister New, since I know so, I know people think it's sour grapes for me to pick on modern music, but you know modern top forty music. But I'm afraid I have a difficulty calling it music. Since mis- and I'm allowed to because I'm a prick. Uh, Mister Newman, uh, Mister Newman Mariotti, has he got two names? Oh, he's two sheds. Does not hold a visa. He is unable to enter Australia and remains in the presence of the ABF, or oh, God help him, the Australian Border Force. They're the people who picked on Jason Chatfield, the cartoonist. Cartoonists are very much a endangered species. ISIS are trying to kill him. Uh, border forces are taking away their passport. It's officially open season on cartoonists. The Australian Border Fast Force uh, officials at the Melbourne airport pending his removal, the spokeswoman said. Shouldn't that be spokesperson? in a, in a bid to avoid deportation lawyers representing Norman launched an appeal to the high court on uh, it will be heard on this friday afternoon now that's saying something because is he in sydney or melbourne i don't know if he's in melbourne it's a public holiday today we've taken a day off for a parade the whole state the whole state has taken the day off for one parade that goes down the city street and lasts about an an hour i don't know or it does i don't even know what it does I don't even know if it's even in the same place now, but I know that if the entire population of Victoria all went to see that parade, they wouldn't never be out. would be able to handle it. There would be, just be too many people. They don't give people a day off for the actual grand final itself when they play the football match. They gave them the day off for a small little parade. I mean, not that I'm against people having a day off. Please, I'm sure if you got the day off, you'd be very happy. But how about a day off for the arts, you know, for the struggling musicians and artists out there? What about that? It's like I see so much sport on the news, you know. They can't go more than three minutes without referring to some sort of sport. And I don't think sport should be allowed in news broadcasts. I think the news should be called the news. And if they want to put a program afterwards that deals with sport, it should be a separate program. It shouldn't be in the same bullet. That's my opinion. That's just my opinion. And now that I've started listening to the Phil Hendry show, I could say, yeah. and I'm Margaret Gray. Thank you. Um, um, yeah, see, and, and yeah, I'm against that. I don't know why I was kidding to that, but yeah, then, then I said, I said, what if the news gave as much airtime to the arts so that, you know, <laughs> there was as much about the arts talking about that as there is about sport? But no, do we see that? No, we don't. And come the day, back in the days when we only had five TV channels, we originally only had four, then we got five, and our session with sport was, oh, it was fantastic on a weekend. You could turn to Channel 9, they had the cricket or whatever. And this is without sport. This is outside the sports season. Channel 9 had the cricket. Channel 7 had a sizzling summer of tennis. Channel 10 would have uh, the motor racing. The ABC, because of diversity and the patriarchy that uh, crushes us all, would have women's netball. And over on SBS, uh, there'd be soccer. So it was fantastic for sports. And I'm an equal opportunity. I hate all sport. I do. I can't stand it. I don't care if it's women's netball or big burly men beating each other up or in the case of rugby. What is it? Four men trying to push three men up two men's bottoms or towel flicking in the showers afterwards i i i whatever it is i'm against it and it just pervades the news and it's not new, to me it's not news and then we're we're two day we're two days out from the grand final and you just what you i know i'm talking about it as well and abc news 24 was just a wash of uh people talking and comparing last year the team did this and did that and did this and did that it doesn't stop, but look, I know people love this sport, and if you, and in the, in my country, if you uh, if you don't like sports, oh boy, you are just totally on the outer. And so, most years, if I have to happened to be at the shops prior to the grand final, they say, uh, "You get to the register. Hey, who are you going for in the footy?" And I always like to say, "Sorry, fo- what's that footy?" Yeah, you know, today you going for the. Thingos or the what's a name? The sorry. Oh yeah, you don't like you're not you're not a big footy fan, yeah. No, I've never heard of it before. So you like, uh, well, you like cricket, do you? Sorry, What, those little black things that scurry around and look like grasshoppers that have been coloured in with a texture. They. Well, what about the cricket? No, what about soccer? You soccer man? No. <laughs> By this stage, there's so, next customer, please. Don't talk to him. He's un-Australian. He's not Australian. You're not Australian. But I've always been like that. I'm not against. I'm not against physical fitness. I'm, I'm not against people having some enjoyment. I'm just against it being a religion. Whatever it is, I'm against it. That's all I can say. Whatever it is, I'm against it. You know, I'm just absolutely. I'm over it.
4: Oh, be oh shut up!
3: So many people on YouTube too now monetize their sites, but what makes me laugh is when you're using copyright material that's not yours, do you really have a right to monetize your sites?
1: Shut up. I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway, whatever it is. I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it. I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood, whatever it is against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it. For months before my son was born, I used to yell from night till morn, whatever it is, I'm against it. And I've I it. I'm against it.
4: <laughs>
3: exactly that's what I say too anyway back to mr. Newman <clears throat> Norman <sighs> mr. Newman is the head of an anti-abortion organization just the head of him not not the rest of him only only his head the bit that has no brain okay no brain at all but just, just, just the head. Is the head of an anti abortion organization not that not that i'm not that i'm au okay fait with abortion abortion it's not it's not an easy thing to have to deal with it's a very deep thing and there are reasons why things but people like mr newman uh, you know but 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 he has a backstory and I don't know if they'll go into it here <clears throat> apparently he was an adopted child or something he was given up for adoption
4: <clears throat> as a
3: baby, so I'm not sure if that's where. <laughs> he's coming from. Maybe that's his thing, you know. Anyway, uh, Mister his organisation. So, I, I would guess, and I am only guessing about him. He's one of those people, like if a woman's raped or uh, victims of incest. You know, that's a, he'd be one of these. I, I assume. I assume. I don't know. Uh, he's probably one of those people that says, "Well, there is just no reason ever to have an abortion," or that's it. It's just blanket. I am. This is what I am thinking. Mister Newman is. Probably in that camp. However, you could prove me wrong, so I don't know, because I haven't spent a million years, you know. Mr Newman is the head of an anti-abortion organisation called Operation Rescue. It's like they drive along at night on the roadside picking up animals that have been injured. Look, there's a woman on the roadside. Quick, stop her from having an abortion. We'll, We'll rescue her. He was due to speak... At the events run by the group Right to Life Australia around Australia, he said, he said, this is what he said, according to the ABC.net, he said the revocation of his visa on Wednesday was based on a pile of lies, (coughs) or a lyle of pies, tasty pies too, including the idea that I, I, me, I promote violence. My 25-year history of peaceful, prayerful action speaks for itself, although very silently, because usually in prayer, don't, don't you, quiet? He says in quotes, Please pray that we can get past immigration so the truth can be told throughout Australia. Operation Rescue said it was shocked by the way Mr Newman had been treated by the government and claimed his comments have been deliberately taken out of context. Troy's unjust treatment by the Australian government is based on a pack of bold-faced lies about his character. This makes him a political prisoner. Cheryl Sullinger, a senior policy advisor for Operation Rescue, said in a statement, It's shocking that the Australian government would take these lies at face value and deny Troy his right to his freedom and free speech. Well, um, Cheryl... In Australia, you don't have a right to free speech, I'm afraid. It's not. We, we have. In Australia, we, we grew up watching American television. We did. I can prove it to you. You want me to prove it? I'll prove it. I'll prove it to you. Look. Look. Oh, that's. No, it's not quite in tune. Yeah, I'll prove it. Here's the story of a lovely lady. Who was bringing up three very lovely girls All of them had hair of gold From a bottle of
1: peroxide
3: The youngest one in curls and head-head lice Here's the story Of a man named Brady Who was actually gay in real life But there's nothing wrong with it Who's busy with three boys of his own Or... Just, 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 just sit, just sit right, just sit right, just just sit right, hang on, just sit right back. I used to know Gilligan's Island. So that proves we, we, we grew up with a huge diet of American. The occasional Canadian television program did get through as well, but mostly that was about dogs and things. Or Degrassi High. And everyone went, oh So he's been denied his uh, freedom and freedom of speech. Well, he's been denied his freedom because he's locked up with a steel prison toilet. Doing it hard. Probably trying to make a shiv out of a out of a plastic airport spoon or something. And denied his right to free speech. No, we don't have a right to free speech in Australia. Ms. Sullinger spent two years in jail. Oh, did she? Oh, okay, hang on, here we go. Ms. So is Ms. Sullinger from... Oh, so she's an American as well, is she? Ah, that's why. You see, the thing is, you Americans, come over here, and you think, you think we're like you. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we watch all your TV doesn't mean we have the same Bill of Rights. I'm sorry. We're not like that. I don't really know what to say about that. His right to free speech. She was sent to jail for two years for conspiring to damage an abortion clinic in the 1980s. Now, I'm assuming we're not talking about her running in and ripping up pamphlets. I'm assuming that. Her biography states that she, quote, regrets, unquote, the action. And the Operation Rescue website said the group is only interested in peaceful activism in order to save innocent lives from abortion. Several Australian politicians, including Labor backbencher Terry Butler, has called for Newman, Mr Newman, Newman. to be banned from entering the country. Uh, I am concerned that Mr Newman's presence in Australia will cause a significant harm to our community, Ms Butler said in a letter. To the Immigration Minister. Does she say how, though? Oh, here we go. I'm most concerned that Mr Newman's calls for abortionists to be executed could lead to threats <clears throat> or the commission of acts of violence against women and medical professionals. Well, it could... Well, it well, I suppose it could be like someone says, well, if I told you to jump in the fire, would you do that? But as I said... Now I know what he stands for because we banned him and, um, of course, the news bodies throughout the world threw it up on the internet. So we know what he stands for. I don't see what he's going to come and say that's any different. And I think that, um, I think we've successfully made him into a martyr and, um, if, if, as they say, he hasn't actually committed any crime crime like, crime, like crime when you're crime, not verbal crime, you know, but very tricky one, that one. I think it would be better to have let the plonker come here. And for people who are very much up in rage about that, too, to to picket and do what they do, because after all, isn't that what the anti-abortionists do all the time—picket this and picket that? Mister Newman is the co-author of a book, a book, he wrote a book. Their blood cries out, which was published in two thousand, and obviously has made the best seller list because you you've probably got a copy of it yourself sitting in your bookcase. But now you know it, don't you? Now you know he wrote that book because I just told you because we now know more about him than we ever knew before. We we banned Joe Cocker from coming here. When I was a kid Joe Cocker got kicked out of Australia too because he got on stage or something and smashed a whiskey bottle on the drum kit or something and they considered it to be very very naughty. But as you knew when Joe Cocker was old he seemed like such a sweet old fella, you couldn't imagine why on earth he would have got banned. Did they ban I think they banned the Rolling did they ban the Rolling Stones from coming here? We have a pretty good pedigree at banning people. <clears throat> In the book, he questions why doctors who perform abortions are not executed and asks why women or men who requested the procedure are not charged with murder. So if you if you requested the procedure as a woman... Um, And then they said, right, not only can you not have the abortion we're going, because you just for requesting it, right, just for requesting it, you're going to be charged with murder. Wouldn't that be attempted murder? And then they said, right, now you're forced to have this child and you've got to be responsible for it and you're also going to jail for murder for 20 years. So in that case, mm. on Sunday it was confirmed the Australian government had blocked US singer Chris Brown from entering the country because of his history of domestic violence. So uh, all in all, all in all, a a pretty good week for banning people. Um, Yeah, Mm, who knows? Although, as I said, then Chris Brown came out and said, forgive me for I have made mistakes. Well, that's what I think I saw him say. Hey, caramba. And this is from Troy Newman himself. Dear friends, dear friends, as many of you know, I know he doesn't exactly talk like that, but this is just my generic accent, all right? Whenever people of this ilk, I, I refer to them, I generally talk in that sort of accent, all right? Dear friends, as many of you know, I'm scheduled to speak on a national tour to the Rattle Off Australia from the 1st to the 10th of October, so he'll be here when Kiss are here, the band. I'm not going, I had a ticket and I gave it to my friend it's too hard and but now that they've landed and they're in on all the news bulletins and everything then i now got this kind of strange feeling of longing like i never wanted to really go in the first place and then and then my friend he's so he's such a diehard kiss fan and i and i just went oh mate look he, he's got like a kiss man cave type situation the man owns a kiss pinball machine which he's getting refurbished and it's it's set him back like five grand or something He's got box set posters and pictures of him with the actual, you know, with Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley and everything. And I thought, oh, if anybody would, because he's already going the next night, so now he can go two nights in a row. And um, and I, the, I, 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 I sort of want to go, but here's the situation, right? So walking distances, I mean, short distance. Yeah, I can get out of my car and walk to the front of the house. Okay, fine. Yeah, I can do that, all, but, albeit very slowly, but I can do it. But if I go anywhere, go anywhere, I have to take my little fold-up motor scooter, because it's just too hard. It's it's just too hard. I can't breathe, you know, you know. And I thought about it, and then I thought, okay, so if I if I catch a lift with my other friends, they're going to park in the car park, car park, which you've got to walk up over a huge walkway and upstairs, and get there and everything. And I thought, oh, this is just like I'm going to be gasping for air. I'm going to be literally gasping for air. And I mean literally. And, um, or I could catch a train with my fold-up scooter. That's or I could do that, and I could ride my little scooter to the actual steps of the concert thing. And you can check your little scooter in somewhere and put a little taggy on it. But then I've still got to walk from that part up the flights of stairs and everything. And, and I was not feeling very well on the day that I had that, and I just thought, I don't know, this is just this is, this is all sort of kind of getting to be a bit too much. And I became flummoxed, and then I thought of my friend, and I thought, well, just maybe I should just do that. Where were we? Oh, you say, anyway, they're in the country. And now I'm starting to feel the pangs a little bit, you know, because I've seen them on the news and that. But I was talking to another friend of mine and saying how it was too much of an effort to go, and he said, very, very talented musician, this friend of mine, and he said, "Cause, uh, mate, I don't want to knock your taste, but the fact that you even had a kiss ticket, I mean, what does that say about you? And I thought, oh, you snobby man. I thought, you dreadful person. I didn't say that, but then I said, I've never really wanted to go in the first place. so don't worry about it. I mean, I sort of did, but I, you know, it was one of those, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah mm. I mean, I would have liked the $1,200 ticket, $1,200. Can you imagine $1,200 for a concert? Well, not my tickets we had, no. But there's that 1200 or $1,500. You get to meet them and have photos taken with them and you get to watch a sound check or something. And I said, Oh, if I had so much money I'd sooner do that. Look, I was grandiose, you know. Mention that. If you had that sort of money that you would do that. But people do. Not me, but people do. Maybe I do need to start up a Patreon um thing for the for the podcast. Get me the gold class tickets. But then you still you still got the problem of having to winch yourself in and out of there. I I hate I, I you things you never realise. Like when you're able bodied, there's a lot of stuff you don't realise about life. Like when I've gone down, my daughter came to visit um, yesterday or the day before, and she stayed, and my son, Roy, was with us all. And um, and, I, and I finally got that other battery for the scooter. I remember I was telling you if I could find this other battery, and I got it tapped in so it's got longer distances. And um, so I said, come on then. He got his little s- scooter, you know, like a kid-type scooter that you use your foot to scoot along. Uh, and we went out. And um, to get a coffee and so they went sort of walking and then I was showing them on the footpath or sidewalk as you Americans refer to it, there are bits where parts of the sidewalk stick up, the slabs of concrete stick up so that somewhere they come along and they shave them down so that people on scooters and stuff can actually get over them because the wheels don't always go over them and then I'm amazed in our town how many things. I've never really even glanced at certain places that I've gone by car. And the other day I had to go and pick up my car when it broke down and I took my scooter to do it. And I realized that between me and my mechanic, there's no actual footpath. There's just grassed areas and the little scooter, they don't like grass rough areas. And I realized out of a town where we are, that there are so many places that actually don't have sidewalks or footpaths. And then I learned something the other day when I was listening to the Howard Stern Show. He had a fellow on there who makes those little plastic bumpy bits that they put along edges of curbs and things when people are crossing the road. And I've never known what they were for. And this man said, oh, no, they're made for blind people so that when they feel that pattern under the foot, they know that they're about to cross a road or they're at a bus stop or there's those bumpy things at a train station that stops them falling off the platform. And I have never known that. I never knew that. And I said that to my daughter. And she goes, you know, I never knew that either. And I said, yes, it's, it's funny, isn't it? And I, so I was pointing out all those bits. And, anyway, it's all, it's all a lesson in life, isn't it? Your, your situation. And you amazed how things that were just bleeding obvious never jumped out at you at all. And it's like if you, walked, if, you, if you go down your own street where you live and around your town, your locale or your big city, if you've always driven it in a car and you walk it or get on a scooter or ride a bike, you realise how many things you notice that you never noticed before. Oh, the beauty of life. It's just so wonderful. Anyway, just sharing that, should you ever find yourself having to use a little motorised scooter to get around, you'll, you'll know what I'm saying. You'll see those little shaved down bits in your footpath or sidewalk and you'll say, oh, I see what he meant. And for what? All for nothing. I'm reminded of this final scene of Blade Runner when Rutger Hauer pulls the nail out of his hand and says, time to die. And he just bends over and snuffs it and Harrison Ford said... Something like, what was it? Paraphrasing. What could I do? I just sat there and I watched him die. And in that moment, he lived life more than he ever had before. Something like that. Uh, A national tour for the right of life. From the 1st to the 10th of October. But the Australian government revoked my visa. And I said, where's my gun? I put that bit in. At the last minute, the revocation was based on a pile of lies. (coughs) What's the thing when everyone's going to be taken up to heaven? You know, why can't I remember the name of it? You know, when it comes, the, the I hate that. It's in the book of Revelations, the rapture. you will be laughing at us when the rapture comes. The revocation is based, based on a lyle of pies, including the idea that I promote violence. My 25-year history of peaceful prayer speaks to us. Oh, you already heard that. Through a chain of events, apparently the Lord has allowed me to get on a plane in spite of many objections from the airlines in Australia. Yes, but that's that. Well, whilst that might be true, not it just was really an oversight by people at airports who were just so busy and let stupidly, didly let you go. May although maybe we don't know. What if it was some sort of inside job? What if it was like at the end of the Gattiger movie? You know, when he goes to get on the spaceship, and finally he gets tumbled as not being a valid, but the bloke looks at him with a wink and goes, go on, get on there, my son. Might be one of those situations. Maybe he had a friend behind the desk who just went, go on, get on there, go on, off you go. Not like that would send an American accent, probably a redneck one. Through a chain of events, the Lord has allowed me to get on a plane. Mind you, the Lord hasn't spared you from a jail cell here, but then see... See, how dare I try to presume the mind of God? You see, it might all be part of a greater plan. The Lord moves in mysterious ways. But don't worry, you'll still have a metal toilet seat to go on, should it give you the shits. Cold, those things. My 25-year, through a chain of events, um, allowed me to go in spite of the objections from the airlines and Australia. Australia! We have been in the air... 11 hours. Also he even he even tweeted ahead before it happened. I like that. We've been on the in the air for 11 hours and we'll land in about 4. Please pray. This is to prove that nothing fails like prayer. Please pray that we can get past the immigration so the truth can be told throughout Australia. Well, well, well. Well, Troy, it might have gone a little pear-shaped at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, this is where we this is where we stand. And what do you think? Should should we should we have iced the little bastard's ass out of here or Or do we come to that thing about free speech where we really test our free speech when we don't agree with somebody? I could call Arthur and ask him what he thinks, but I think I'd pretty much know. Although in the interview, if you go back to the Arthur thing, he wasn't 100 million percent against abortion. He did say there were times where, but I'm pretty sure he'd probably, oh, I shouldn't put words in Arthur's mouth. I don't know. And I can't be bothered calling him because the little speaker that I use for the phones up at the house and I'll just get too puffed out going to get it. So, bugger it. Here's something that's really important. HelloGiggles.com. This is me. I get oily head. And dandruff, it's it's embarrassing, but I use an anti-dandruff shampoo. But I'm like this. In the morning, I get really oily skin really quickly. And so this jumped out at me. I don't know where I found it, but I found it. When it comes to HelloGiggles.com, HelloGiggles.com, shower versus night and morning. I wonder if he's got a shower in that little cell where the toilet is. He probably has. When it comes to jumping in the shower, or maybe hopping about in the shower, or running on down on the spot, when it comes to jumping in the shower... Are you more of a night person or a morning person? Many people like to start their day by rinsing off. Some people start their day by doing other things too, but uh, it's not in this article. While others prefer to go to bed feeling squeaky clean, others take lube. (laughs) While others prefer to go to bed feeling squeaky clean, uh, the benefits, however, could uh, be there could be benefits to showering at a certain time of day. Or could there be? There could be. In a nutshell, though mind you, imagine what sort of a shower you'd get inside a nutshell. It'd be pretty damn small. Might be all right if you're an ant, but then they'd drown. It depends on what your goals are like. It depends on what your goals are, full stop. Like all things in life, there are benefits and drawbacks to both. If you partake in highly creative activities, for example, taking a shower at the right time could prove useful to getting those brain juices flowing so what's that if you like, let the water pour in your ear or something but depending on who you are and what you want to do you filthy swine there's probably a time that would be best for you let's divulge some of the showering secrets you should be a morning showerer if, if, if you have oily skin according to hellogiggles.com that could be right actually because I get a little bit of the, because the dandruff, you get a little bit of facial dermatitis things. But you know what I found what works? Methylated spirits. Now, I'm just saying this for me. I'm not advocating that you use it. I'm not one of these gurus of the new age. But I used to find it used to get in the sweaty bits and you put a bit of meth on it, it dries it out like a mother, baby. But that's just my opinion. Please, if you try it and something goes horribly wrong, don't come crying to me. Go and see your GP. You have oily skin and uh, if you've got a problem with excessive oil oiliness, you might include bathing in your morning routine instead of saving it up for the evening. Showering in the morning can be especially good for those with oily skin <laughs> since oil can build up during the night and showers are excellent at clearing the pores. Yes, but at least if you've got oily skin in the morning, you can always rub it into your fry pan. You can rub your fry pan over your skin and do your morning eggs and bacon in it, baby. Maybe because I eat eggs and bacon and stuff. Maybe that's why I have oily skin. <laughs> Spoken like a man who's got no idea what he's talking about. You are a creative person or need to be for your job. Well, taking a shower is a lot like meditating according to Hello Giggles, and you know how good that is. Because you enter a relaxed yet alert brainwave state. So you're relaxed, but alert! relaxed, but alert! A state that's perfect for coming... Sorry, a state that's perfect for coming up... With good ideas. Well, that's, hey, I'm sold. You've won me. I believe everything I read. This is why it's best to take a shower at the beginning of the day to give your brain a kick start. This is what a Harvard psychologist lecturer, Shelley Carson, explained to Greatest. So, you know, to hell with science today. If you were to come up with a problem that you wanted to solve creatively, she explained, and you were working and working on it, and you couldn't come up with a solution, oh dear, oh dear, then you could put it on the back burner of your mind. In the windmills of your mind. And you were working on it, you couldn't come, well, you could put it in the back of burner of your mind and allow it to stew, while the unconscious processes are mulled over. Makes sense, in brackets, why waterproof notepads exist, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. From what I'm told, (laughs) That was written by Sammy Nichols, who's a Hello Giggles staff writer. Apparently has an inexplicable weakness for sushi M83 Pre-loved books and videos of goats You're probably the same yourself Oh there's more is there Oh I didn't realise it was a page 2 and 3 Oh dear Oh no Does it go on more Oh no Oh god listen to all this Apparently if you have trouble sleeping you should shower If you suffer from dry skin you should shower If you tend to cut yourself shaving Maybe you comes come in and nick yourself in the show. Oh, okay, that's enough. That's enough. It was only ever really meant to be a little spacer article between what are sometimes heavy and depressing subjects. I don't know where this one fits in. Science for you, science. I've got science now. This is from sciencealert.com. com. <sighs> Here's why NASA rovers are banned from investigating liquid water That they found on Mars I mean they kept us in suspenders for days didn't they And everyone was saying it better be bloody It better be bloody proof of aliens That's all I can say Keep us waiting like this <laughs> I thought they were going to find that little that little cartoon character With the broom on his head Oh yes I've come to your planet And I destroyed several on the way in when Bugs Bunny took a left turn at Albuquerque. Thank you, Adam Kochi, for correcting me on that. No, Bugs Bunny was never on his way to Albuquerque. He always took a wrong turn. I suppose you'll find trouble with that now. Uh, His podcast is called uh, Podcaster Non Grata. Hey, he'd be pissed off a bit, wouldn't he? Because Friday is usually his day off, which he hardly ever gets. Except when he gets a Friday off And now today it's fall and it's a public holiday For the footy And um So that would coincide with his day off I wonder if he'd get another day off for his day off
0: <laughs> Day off yeah.
3: Day off Day off come But me got to stay home day- Is a day, is a day, is a day. Day of combat, me got to stay home. I met her in the club down in Loso. Oh, sorry. I got to stay home, cause they. I don't. I can't really think of anything now. That's the trouble with the improvisation. You set it all up with the echo and everything's really lovely. I got to go to Melbourne to see the Beretta I got the day off, but I don't want to stay home. Day, day off, day off come, but me don't want to stay home. My name it is Adam Kochi. I usually got the day off but I don't want to stay home I produce a podcast called Podcasta Non Grata. It takes me about a fortnight to put a half hour of content out Day off Day It is a day off, but I don't want to stay home. Day is a day, 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 is a day. I said a day off, but I don't want to stay home. It's a strange world. So yeah, he's got a podcast. So, you know, but he's not on. He must be out because I see he's not on um, on Stork Book this week. NASA, NASA, NASA scientists, in the words of Ronnie Barker, NASA stands for National American Something or Another. I found a, I found a, a series two of Porridge at my local op shop, and um, even though I had already downloads of it. It was a very good British show. They did have an American spin-off of it, which was shit, but um, Ronnie Barker with Porridge. And Roy, my 10-year-old son, said, why do they call it Porridge if it's about jail? So I said, well, there was an old slang term called stir, being in stir. And then we looked up stir on Wikipedia or whatever it was and found the origins, which are 50 cents each way. And I said, well, because porridge you, not this instant crap that you kids eat where you wang it in the microwave for two to three minutes. It's about in the old days when your grandmother was a little girl. Porridge used to take about six months to cook and you had to constantly stir it. So if you're in stir, which is like a long time, and you're stirring porridge, you see, that's why they call it porridge. At least I think that's why they called it that. Very funny. This week, NASA scientists announced they'd found chemical evidence of liquid water on the surface of Mars. They may have found chemical evidence of anything, other things too. Maybe an RV parked in the deserts of Mars with an older man and a younger man making crystal meth, but we don't know. Evidence of liquid water on the surface of Mars. While they make a compelling case, according to sciencealert.com, the existence of seasonal rivers of briny water, whiny briny, will never be 100% confirmed until we can see it and touch it and analyse it and taste it and rub it on our naked bodies and writhe around in the Martian mud (laughs) in a melding of minds. (laughs) If it's not actually humans on Mars doing that, oh, we'll get there. We have to study it vicariously through our far-flung, far-flung robots. We shall live our life vicariously through far-flung robots. I'm still waiting for my sex robot. I'm still waiting for my sex robot. I I was going to record this podcast last night, uh, but what happened when my daughter went home and my son popped off to his mum's and they've gone away on holiday for three days, I came down to my little room here, my little my little mecca. Do I dare use the word? And uh, uh, Maynard had rung, and I, and I rang Maynard. But I said, like, "I'll give him a chance. to see what it. Maybe he might want or whatever." Uh, but uh, and I felt and I felt tired, and there was a thing in my email box thing that Thunderfoot had put a video. Now, in all the years of, of email box alerting me of Thunderfoot's video, I've never watched any of them ever. Well, you know, you don't have all the time in the world anyway, and. Um, I thought, I'll sit here for a moment or two. And I watched this thing, and he was having a go at um, Anita Sarasquezism. You know, there's a whole argument with the s- 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 sceptical feminine. Thing. Yeah, I, I'm not getting into it, but anyway. I was watching the video. Anyway, there was something of a um, – some video about a woman holding a glass dildo, as you do, or see-through, and saying that men had already been converted into sex robots, but just the bit that was useful, just the penisy bit. And some something said about sex robots. And then I saw some other article about something about sex robots won't come. I, I, it, it was a whole thing anyway. And then I watched another one of the videos because it was, you know, like YouTube has that auto thing they just play. And then um, without knowing it, I, I was tired because people would visit. And i get tired. You get tired with a heart condition. What can I say? And suddenly, I realised I shut my eyes and I come. In, I come in here. I come in here just after I don't know seven o'clock or something. And the next time I sort of opened my eyes, it was ten to twelve. And I thought you probably won't be recording a thing tonight because you're tired. Anyway, that got was a sex robot. So apparently, it's easier to have a male sex robot because you only need the penisy bit. Apparently, but I want my sex robot. Damn it. Except we can't. Uh, not as long as those far-flung robots or- originated on Earth. See, now they've got robots and they're sending them to another planet. When am I going to get my sex robots? And if, if, and if you were able to bring them back from Mars, you could say, hey, this sex robot's out of this world, baby. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, Right now, NASA's Curiosity rover is about 50 kilometres, not kilometres, kilometres from the site that scientists suspect holds liquid Martian water. But thanks, thanks very much, but thanks to an international treaty signed in 1967. You remember when that was on. It's not allowed to go anywhere near it. Now, why is this, you say? They're practising safe robot. Well, this is because, to get where it is on the surface of Mars, Curiosity had to travel 225 million kilometres not kilometres, from Earth through space. And along the way, it could have picked up dust and dirt and all sorts of mysterious microbes. Oh, dirty, dirty, dirty. That fa- that make it far from sterile. Actually, it reminds me too, I um at that same op shop, I found a, a CD put out by Raven Records of early Dame Edna Everidge, which was good, and Johnny Cash live in New York. Only a dollar each. No, two dollars each they were. Should put one of those Dame Edna's on, actually. I require, and I found, and I found a little CD player, good one too. It was only twenty dollars, and it works like a perler. It's like brand new. I put it out on my little shelf out there when I'm sitting on my little fold up chair, just communing with nature and listening to Dame Nature herself, himself. Uh, uh, through space, uh, uh, microbes that dirty little microbes, oh gosh, that make it far from sterile. As Marcus Strom points out in the Sydney Morning Herald, that's a long way to go without having the right sort of shower. I wonder if it would do it in the morning. I wonder what a Martian morning is like. Nothing's quite as pretty. <laughs> no, no, nothing's quite as pretty as Martian in the morning. I got some Al Martino vinyls too, and he sings Mary in the morning. They're only a dollar. Oh, I know you don't care. Neither do I. I'm just trying to fill the podcast out. I'm at the hour and two mark. If I get to two hours, I feel I've done something. (laughs) Done something. We don't know if it's anything, but you've done something. Gross curiosity. Just stand over there, will you? No, no. Keep going further. Yes, that's okay. Good. Thank you. And while scientists do their best... Shouldn't that be whilst scientists? And while scientists do their best to sterilize their space... Don't write in and tell me why it isn't. I don't care. <clears throat> I know there's a whole bunch of you that are bilingual and multilingual, you filthy bastards, but I don't even speak one language properly. Best to sterilize their spacefaring. Arthur picks me up on it all the time. If I post something on Facebook, he'll he'll pick me up. He'll, he'll work it out. I said something like when um, Facebook uh, get the dislike thing, I said, imagine when they unleash the offense, unleash being offense, something like that. And he said, no, you can't unleash... Uh, being, I can't remember. He goes, he doesn't matter. And I think I was, and rather than go into, oh, you know, I just went. Thanks, Arthur. It's, it's just easier. Spacefaring equipment once it arrives at its destination via Swinburne University, astronomer, Alan Duffy describes, a very intense ultraviolet ta- tanning salon. So if that rover gets skin cancer, it'll probably sue NASA. If they can't guarantee sterilisation, there's no going near that water. Because liquid water appears to be present, we have to take extra precautions to prevent contamination by Earth life, Rich Zurich, the chief scientist for NASA's Mars program, explained during a Reddit AMA yesterday. Our current rovers have not been sterilised to the degree to go to that area where liquid water may be present. As Ashgat Rathi writes for Quartz, as you do, every country on Earth is bound by stipulations <laughs> and whipped severely of the 1967 Outer Space Treaty, which forbids anyone, in quotes, anyone from sending a mission or robot or human close to a water source in the fear of contaminating it with life from Earth. Well, Thank goodness these robots don't poo, you know? Imagine if they left a little trail of robot poo across Mars and they went there and they said, you've pooed in the water. But that doesn't happen. Anyway, not that NASA couldn't sterilise the crap out of its rovers. Well, there you go. They obviously do poo and sometimes you need to sterilise the crap out of them. If it wanted to. Could if I wanted to. I could. I just choose not to, that's all. As UNSW, UNSW astrobiologist Malcolm Walter Whose name sounds almost like water? Told the Sydney Morning Herald, they could blast curiosity with they could blast curiosity with crazy amounts of heat and radiation. You don't like the heat? Get out of the microwave, mate. That would wipe out anything and everything uh, that managed to survive the journey from Earth, without a shadow of a doubt. But they'd be wiping out rovers' internal electronics in the process. Not exactly practical. So, in other words, they couldn't really. Then they could, but what would be the point? In order to make you a better person, I'm going to kill you, you know? But we could. In in order to be completely sterile, but not sane, in order to be completely sterile, they'd have to use a really powerful ionizing radiation or heat or both of, which could damage the electronics, says Walter. So they go as far as they dare. Here's a line. Don't cross it. Don't cross the line. No means no. I warn you, don't. Don't you zap me. Get away from me with that TENS machine, you brute. What's the solution? We all know that NASA is planning on sending humans to Mars for the first time oh, around mid-2030. So maybe some lucky astronauts will get to see the liquid uh, Martian water with their own eyes. But then, hang But hang on a minute. But hold, hold on a minute. Are we going to zap those humans? How do you know something won't leak out? What if one of them needs to have a wee behind a... Oh, no, they don't do that with those, do they? Because not, they don't. No, they do like that astronaut, that woman who went to kill that other woman. They they go diapered, so they don't have to worry about that. But then where do they where do they throw all their rubbish? That's what I want to know. If you're going to Mars, you ain't coming back, you've got to dump it somewhere. And I reckon in the end, sooner or later, you've got to contaminate something, don't you, really? You know? Like once the astronauts actually get on there, I think there's very little chance that we could actually stay there for any amount of time and not have something pervade out into the Martian, um, what's it called? You know, like the nature of Mars. <clears throat> and anyway, and they keep talking about this, and I, and I keep saying, but uh, Mars doesn't have like an ionosphere. You know, what's ionosphere, magnetosphere, They don't have that. So this is what stops us from getting fried on Earth, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, look, I'm not a science person by any stretch of the imagination. I know that might come as a shock to you. I don't even have a communications degree, let alone know anything about science. It's all done with string and mirrors. Uh, but isn't it, isn't Earth, I mean, just don't quote me, I'm not Dr. Carl, but isn't it all the metally molten stuff in the centre of our planet as we wobble along, hurtling through space, isn't that what sort of acts like we act like a magnet and it sends out the magnetic things that deflect the UV razors from coming to cut us and kill us? Isn't that doesn't that isn't that what haven't I mean, I've been led to believe that? Isn't it but Mars is dead and doesn't do that? So if we get there, can, we can can't we I don't can we ever replicate that on Mars? Wouldn't we just be getting fried with little um, You know, little, what are they called? Those little radiation things? Nutri... Anyway. I'm but an humble man. And if they go in 2030, there's not much chance I'm going to be alive to see it. (coughs) Especially Especially not if I'm judging on how I'm going so far. I was born in 1964, you know. So if it was 2034, that's a lot. See, I can't even add that up, let alone tell you anything about science. I know nothing. Another option would be to send robots to Mars that are capable of building other robots. Ha, <laughs> ha, that can investigate with the water. But the thing is, how do you know that those robots in the process of building the other robots won't pass on little germs and things? Investigate that water with little risk of contamination. Notice they didn't say no risk, they said little risk. Ah, oh, fuck it, just send them there, who cares? Sooner, listen. If human beings are going anywhere in this world, we will take a trail of trash with us anyway. Don't worry about it. Just go there for fuck's sake. Does it really matter? And that's my final word on the subject. Last year, NASA announced that it's developing robots that can print 3D print infrastructure on Mars. So this could well be a possibility. Until then, until then, my friends, until then, until then, until until then, until then... <laughs> Happy trails to you until we meet, until we meet. What's that called? Till we meet, not until we meet. I'll just ignore it. I meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about all that contaminated water. Until then, curiosity and its rover buddy Opportunity will just have to revel in the ambiguous state of their cleanliness. Well, I'm sure they won't because they're just robots. They don't have consciousnessness. And stay the hell of a way. Hell, and stay the hell of a stay the hell away from the water. Do you understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? <laughs> That's my water. Get off my lord. All day I face the barren waste without the taste of water. Martian water. Oh, indubitably, and I will have to blow up a few of the planets that I saw on the way in. Oh, his name was Marvin, wasn't it? Marvin the Martian. Oh, Marvin and I, with our throats parched dry, and so we cry for Martian water. Water. Cool, clear water You take it away, Marvin Oh, thank you Crikey, I feel like Phil Hendry more and more every day Keep removing, moving, Dan Don't you listen to him, Dan He's the devil, not a man And he spreads the burning sand with water Oh, well done, Marvin Oh, thank you I am going to have to zap you with my ray gun before I leave Well, I'd hope so, Marvin Has it got more blast than a TENS machine? Oh, indubitably Thank goodness for that Beat your heart out, Margaret Gray. Oh, Dan and I, with throats parched dry and souls. I didn't think you believed in souls. Well, no, I'm a Martian. And what's the answer from the Martians? <laughs> you think we know? It's about as good as what Douglas Adams said just bang the rocks together, yeah? Yes! Oh, there's water, water, cool, clear water, water. Keep a moving, Dan. Don't you listen to him, Dan. He's the devil, not a man. And he spreads the burning sand with water. Water! Dan, can you see that big green tree where the water's running free and it's waiting there for me? And you've got the cards to get here, sorry. Water.
0: Cool, clear,
3: water. Cool, clear, water. Well, I don't know, sorry, I don't know before I start the show what the feck I'm going to do. I mean, I can't always know. I mean, I could look, I suppose I've got the internet, I could look up the cords while I'm at it, couldn't I? I have done that before. And now another place that I think has a lot of sand, although I've never been there. And I could be totally wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. This is for. I scratched my throat um, the other night. I was drinking Metamucil, and it it does help you to poo. See, the thing is with the heart thing like I've got, you don't get enough blood to the colon. I'm just going to share this with you, which leads to sort of um, big amounts of constipation, and it's awful. And then the more constipation you have, the more chance you've got of forming little piles. Those little piles, of course, can bleed, and if you're on blood thinners in the first place, my goodness, it's not good for you because it makes your corpuscles and your little things go a bit cranky. Rather like me. And I mixed up the Metamucil, and this has never happened to me before, but there was a granular little bit in there somewhere that didn't dissolve anything in the water thing and got caught in a little fold in my throat that was sort of between my ear and the back of my nose, and the more I tried to shift it, and every time it swallowed, it felt like I was swallowing razor blades. I'm not one to complain, as you understand. And I did manage to shift it, but, oh, my goodness, it's still, it's still kind of make, it's still making me feel a little cranky. So it was like having a sandy throat, okay? This is from theatheistrepublic.com, a wonderful, wonderful website. Uh, This is by somebody called uh, Deba Pryor Chatterjee. Uh, An Iranian artist faces indecency charges for shaking hands with a lawyer. Last time I shook hands with a lawyer, he sent me a bill. Um. Yes, I've said um again, I am sorry. Now, this is from Iran where they don't like Saudi Arabia because they consider Saudi Arabia to be... um, Do they consider them to be too harsh? Or vice versa? Or does it really matter? See, sometimes I am glad I was born in 1964 because I don't think I'm going to... I think I will peg out before the world becomes absolutely horrible and everyone's living under a caliphate. Now, people say to me, oh, you racist old bastard. They do say that to me. I've never heard them say it to me. I'm sure they think it. But I do I, I do despair a little. Sorry. I know I should be one of those lefties and I should say, come on, people now, smile on your brother. And I've seen the pictures of people putting up pictures of ISIS saying, well, you know, do you think this represents all Muslims? After all, does the KKK rep- represent all Christians? Blah, blah. To me, I look at the whole thing. I just think it's all horrible. I it's all horrible. A permit- a petition demanding the release of an imprisoned. But see, this is what happened as you as you get older, you become more grumpy, and you be- see when you're young, you you you're full of ideals, and then they get crushed out of you. And then somebody finished a video the other week saying, what was it, George Carlin said that inside every cynic there's an idealist who's had their soul crushed or trying to get out or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. A a petition demanding the release of uh, an imprisoned Iranian artist who has already been sentenced to 12 years and nine months is hoping to acquire 20,000 signatures after additional charges of indecency were levelled against her for shaking hands with her male lawyer. Satirist, Atena Fag, 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 Dani, Dhan, 28. Gee, that's a brave person who decides to be a satirist in a place like Iran. There'd just be so much stuff to choose from, and all of it would be likely to get your head cut off. See, we, see it's, we live in comfortable... Some of us in the West, you see, we don't know we've had it so good. But don't worry, we won't have it so good for so long. Don't worry. Satirist Atena Fagani, 28, was jailed in June this year for portraying Iranian government officials as goats, monkeys, and uh, in one of her artworks. Now her sentence is likely to be extended, says human rights activists, and you can click there to sign the petition. I'll try to make sure this gets in the show notes and you can click it as well. I don't know if it'll achieve anything, but anyway. Charges of an illicit sexual relationship short of adultery not quite adultery, okay, not quite, nearly, were levelled against Fargh Hadani and her lawyer, Mohammed Mah- Mahimi, after jail officials said that the latter shook the former's hand while visiting her in jail. Boy, oh boy. Reportedly, it's illegal for men and women to shake hands in Iran. Oh, well, you never know where these things are going to lead. And now the duo would be tried for their handshake, <clears throat> largely considered an act of indecency in the country. Yes, as the worldwide caliphate, as Sharia comes creeping towards us. You know we're blind to it, don't you? I'm sorry, but I think we are. I know, I know we see the rednecks out there, Karen. I understand that, but I still think we're blind to it. What was that? Uh, your freedom, mate. Gee, that was quick. That went past quick. Yes, it did, didn't it? Uh, should have maybe done something about it while it was happening. Yes, I know. Amnesty International had launched the above petition demanding F- Dani's release, immediate release, with regards to her June conviction. According to the Human Rights Association, the artist's trial on the grounds of insulting members of the parliament through, through paintings... Lasted only half an hour and was based on evidence extorted during interrogation. So far, the petition's received over 11,000 signatures. <clears throat> <clears throat> Faghdani was convicted earlier this year in a court in Tehran. They found her guilty of spreading propaganda against the system. Right. That song, System of a Down, except they could call System of a Bunch of Fucking Dickheads colluding against national security and insulting members of Parliament through her cartoons. See, it's dangerous to be a cartoonist, I'm telling you, it's dangerous. You know, I'm, I'm sure they never thought of that when they were drawing all those Bugs Bunny cartoons all those years ago with Daffy's beak being shot round to the back of his head and all that. Back in those days, it was an idyllic life as a cartoonist. Not so good now, though. As as Motsy's um, name... Um, him you know, the one I listen to sometimes. I've forgotten his name too now. Pat Condell describes it, the religion of perpetual offence because they take offence at everything. Behead all those who offend us. Uh, the cartoon was published on social media. It was a response to uh, Iran's plans to outlaw voluntarily, voluntary sterilisation and limit availability of contraception. It's not the first time that Faghdani had been arrested for her artwork. In 2014, she was arrested for publishing another batch of satirical cartoons on Facebook uh, for which she was made to serve three months at Evan Prison before being released in 2014 it is believed that her relentless agitation in protest over the way she was treated during her first jail term is what led to the significant length of her second sentence you know i would feel i would feel so much better if islam was being run by people like fagdami and i'd feel much better if islam was being run by um you know, um um oh god why can't I think of her name? I i i I've got a blank this week, you know, the girl from Pakistan You know who got shot uh, for, 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 for oh. You know the one I mean The one who said the Taliban's so frightened of a little girl with a book her You know her, you know It'll come to me for two minutes after I switch the thing off. Anyway, I would feel much better if Islam was being run by her and, and this lady here who does the cartoons, then, then then I would feel like you got something there. instead of these filthy, dirty old men with beards and um, maybe small penis syndrome and a, and a fear of women and a fear of everything. Very quick on the offence meter. I'll cut your head off. I, I, I really do despair. I'm sorry. I, I know. I know. I know what you're saying. It's like it's like all the Syrians pouring into Europe and so many of them were single men of a certain age. And I'm sorry. I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, I'm sorry, but I don't. I know there were women and children. I understand there were women and children. I do understand that. But... But I have to agree with Pat Condell. In certain parts of the world, where Islam rules, men are raised with an ultra hatred of of women and stuff like that. And I think it's really bad. It's really bad. Really worrying. Don't get me. I'm no friend of the radical feminists in the West. Don't get me wrong either. But, but it does deeply worry me because I I see the way things go, and I'm and I'm not very happy. I'm not. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not. Happy. I'm not. But in other ways, I am, but I'm not. So when I see things like this, it, it deeply worries me. Not that I can do much about it. A month after her release last year, Fagdani wrote letters of complaint to Iran's Supreme Leader Ayatollah al-Khamenei. Oh, God. What a waste of time that would have been. And President Hassan Rouhani and the head of the prison service. She was probably lucky she wasn't taken out and had her head cut off for even... How dare you write to me? I'm surprised that in those those harsh regimes, women are even allowed to hold a pen. How dare you hold a pen or read a book or drive a car or... Upon receiving no response from the concerned authorities, she decided to publish a video on YouTube. You can tell it wasn't going to go well for her, wasn't it? It's, It's heading in a very dangerous direction. Describing the ways in which she was ill-treated while in jail. She claimed to have been strip-searched, verbally abused, physically assaulted for what she described as a minor offence, or what some of us in the West would describe as absolutely no offence at all. She drew a satirical cartoon. Oh, oh, someone drew a satirical cartoon about a politician. Oh, the butt hurt. In January this year, Fagdani was arrested once again. She was sentenced to six months... Uh, six months later, by Judge, it uh, doesn't matter, Abul who is infamous for having headed several controversial trials that eventually resulted in executions. What a surprise. In a statement by Amnesty International that reads uh, Atana's, Atana's lawyer, Mohamed Mag, uh, Maghimi, visited Atana in prison after her trial and shook her hand. That handshake led to charges of an illegitimate sexual relationship short of a... Oh, my God. Oh, dear, oh, dear. And indecent conduct being brought against both Atena and Moghimi, who will be tried for those charges in due course. Iran has pledged to protect free speech. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny no matter how many times you read it. Iran has pledged to protect free speech. See? I can't help it. Including through artistic activities as a signatory to the International Convent, Con, Co- Covenant 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 on civil and political rights. That's going well for them, I dare say. Well it's all right, aren't we? We're gonna let Saudi Arabia now sit on the <laughs> Uh, Fuck, Dani is currently serving her sentence at Guitar Check Prison and is believed to have started a hunger strike. strike. Only two comments. From Daniel E. Wilcox, uh, Cal State University, Long Beach. I'm so thankful you shared this news and offered us a chance to sign the petition. It's a very tragic situation. Also, you've restored a little confidence in me towards atheists lately. A large number of atheists have been emphasising there are no human rights. Thankfully, you hold a different sort of atheism—one that's much more, con- one that's very concerned with justice. Much appreciated. And Dennis Horvitz writes from New York. Don't they have any grown-ups running around? I think. I think that's. Uh, I don't think you really need to ask that question, Dennis. I think we know the answer to that one. We do have some grown-ups in Iran, but I dare say most of them are in prison. And now to another brand of stupid. This is from the Sydney Morning Herald. Now being, now being spruiked and advertised by uh, Dame Edna Everidge and... Um, come on, computer, don't do this to me. Don't... Oh, for Why have you locked up? Come on, stop it, will ya? Really? Really? I mean really I mean really. Can you scroll now? Please scroll. It won't scroll. It's, it's locked at the start. oh now now it's now it's given me three spam advertising pages. Great fan fucking Oh now it's grown to four of them. Now I'll turn them all off again, shall I? And Oh, and every time I keep going back to the Sydney Morning Herald page, I keep getting sent to yes oh, it's moved, it's moved hang on, it's moved yeah, I should go and get the dame edna c d It's actually out there. It's very, very dated, but um it's an australia- it's an Australia that's very different now, I think Sydney Morning herald concerns over chaplaincy program for gay and lesbian students. Australia's uh, Human Rights Commissioner, Tim Wilson, has written to the Baird government expressing concern that the National School Chaplaincy Program could be, you ready for this, could be detrimental to gay and lesbian students. Surprise, surprise. Mr Wilson's letter to the New South Wales Education Minister, Adrian Piccoli, was written just days after the Gaby Baby furor that erupted in Sydney. Now, I don't know if you've heard about that in overseas. I don't know the exact they're going to play the movie gaby baby children of same-sex parents or something and there was an outcry as there was and people screamed and yelled and jumped up and down and things happened go look it up yourself if you want to find out mr wilson's letter to the new south wales education minister oh yes we said that mr Pickley issued a memo to schools asking them or asking them not to screen the film during class time on the wear it purple day In the letter, Mr Wilson asks for a review review to be conducted about complaints made about chaplains to assess whether uh, inappropriate advice is being given to young gay and lesbian students. Although I was at the Salvo shop the other day, the thrift one in town. There's one in town that's not run like the national chain. It's an old-fashioned type one where they actually apparently spend the money back in the community – and there was a very gay man behind the counter. He was spouting it out too. He was saying, "Oh yes, I'm I'm gay or something." And he was doing some, some maybe work for the doll there or something. One of the older women was saying, oh, "My brother's gay. Are oh, we so lovely?" I was listening to this conversation. This is the same. This is the same story. I've heard all sorts of <laughs> conversations go on at times. I had to have a bit of a chuckle. I don't know if the don't know if the hierarchy would approve, but it's just between you and me. Well, my phone's going. Woo woo. Oh dear! Oh goodness me! So it is Someone sent me a picture. Wait a minute, let me get a picture. This will probably have nothing to do with anything to do with this, but I'll get it anyway. oh that's a, that's a sound of throbbing data coming in, isn't it? Oh, there's a picture of my son. Eating a huge, big donut with hundreds and thousands sprinkled on top. Good on you, Roy. <sniffs> on you. Uh, I better. Uh, hang on. I'll have to send. I'll have to send back. Yum. Wait a minute. Um, yum. There. Then there's the little sound of the message going out. He, when he leaves the house after, it's always very quiet for the few meager days he's not here. It's goes from goes from bedlam to nothing that's so sad really I was like that when 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 both of my children were here yesterday, as I said my daughter's twenty four and it's and i and I tried to enjoy the time because they I said they were going to grow up and go away i've got one that's not going away, but the other one's away in a letter, Mr. Wilson asks for a review to be conducted of the complaints yes um Well, I write to seek your assistance to ensure that physical and mental well-being of young people is paramount, the letter says. He has requested copies of any policy or safeguards that have been put in place surrounding chaplains to ensure gay and lesbian students receive appropriate and adequate advice. Any details in contracts with chaplain providers? Mr Wilson's letter says, the school chaplaincy program has been raised as a, quote, deeply held concern, unquote, by parents of gay and lesbian students. Much of the concern about the program was based on whether chaplains may place their private spiritual views on gay and lesbian issues. Just have to move stuff off the bench here. Uh, As well, instead of the well-being of the young people they're charged to support. Oh, there's the porridge disk is inside my um, computer. That's me blowing through the sound hole of it. I'll lose that now. That'll end up in one part of the place and, yes. Uh, Research has shown his office. Apparently, research by his office has shown, I should say, 80% of young gay and lesbian people had experienced abuse and had experienced this at school. Under Abbott government rules, that was the old prime minister before he was deposed by the new prime minister, Only religious chaplains can be appointed to schools after secular counselors were banned from receiving funding. You see, isn't that wonderful? It's just so wonderful. It's terrible. It's funny. What a way that our state, how what a way our public education system works in this country. You can only get the job as the school chaplain or counselor if you are a religious person, and then you have to promise you won't use your religion. In your day-to-day running of the school, Uh, if, if it wasn't so tragically stupid, it would be funny. But Mr Wilson said the survey had found, quote, many religious youth reported feeling that their sexual orientation or gender is at odds with their religion. He is concerned this may be preventing gay and lesbian students from accessing important counselling services. The school chaplaincy program in New South Wales is dominated by Generate Ministries, which lodged a submission to a, to an Human Rights Commission. Shouldn't that be to a human... Or to an Austra- oh, no, no, it is right because it's here. To an Australian Human Rights Commission inquiry, Interreligious freedom stating that homosexual activity is a quote serious sin unquote. The department has put out a tender. Well, aren't we all? <laughs> if you take it out and shake it, it's bound to be a little tender. Anyway, the department has put out a tender seeker. Uh, what? A tender seeker, a broader. What? The department has put out a tender seeker, a broader range of. Shouldn't that be seeking? Oh, gee, the proofreading in papers now. The department has put out a tender seeking a broader range of school chaplain providers. Far be it from me to criticise anyone's grammar. Now, I saw something that I had put away from our new prime minister about him looking into such stuff. Let me have a look here. I thought I had it. Ah, here we are. Now, we have our new Prime Minister. He's going to be there for a little while. It's hard to tell, though. Uh, Malcolm Turnbull, that's his name, poised. He's poised. He is poised to end improper influence of religion on government. Oh, right. So it's not about schools, it's about government. <sighs> Perhaps now with the changing of the guard and the government, the, religion will, the place of religion will subside this is from the CanberraTimes.com.au. And then we have a picture of Cory Bernardi, who's, oh my goodness, um, very, very conservative. He deplores what he sees as treachery of Malcolm Turnbull in abandoning the conservative Abbott regime. Mere minutes after it happened, Senator Corey Bernardi lashed, at, lashed the ousting of Tony Abbott as treacherous. Now, Cory Bernardi, for you, you personage who don't live in our fair shores, is vehemently against um, gay marriage and all that sort of stuff. Once said that he equated homosexuality to—is he the one who said he equated it to pedophilia? I th- no, he might not have been him, but he did—he did say. Well, I'm pretty sure it was him who said things like, "Next, people will be wanting to marry their dogs." I won't look. Don't quote me exactly, but he's—he's he's pretty bloody to the right of you know to the right of Attila Hun, He's pretty, you know, you get you get the idea. He also made it claim that he, plain that he considers Malcolm Turnbull to be a man who stands well to the left of Karl Marx. Well, you know, he's far to the right of Attila, so fair enough too. And who far from being prime minister is best suited to hanging around outside train stations trying to flog copies of the Green Left Weekly? No, don't be evasive, Corey. Come out and say what you really think. Uh, with this kind of ideological golf, golf in plain sight, it's a fair bet that the Senators' committee-driven attempt to demonise halal food certification. Well, I don't disagree with him on that one, but anyway. See, it's very grey, isn't it? When it reports in November we'll be no longer welcomed by the front bench. Well, I hope it will be, because I don't see why we should be paying tax to yet another religion I don't care what they do with the money. You know, people say, well, they use it for terrorism or whatever. I don't care. We shouldn't be paying it on our food, and especially when we've no choice. It's not like we've got an option to not do it. I mean, if you want to avoid religious businesses and various things and stuff, you can. But it's very hard when you're buying your food things, you know. I can't understand. I do understand that the left gives it such a free pass, and I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. They make me cross. Indeed, although one must note the pitfalls of optimism here, if it seems that Turnbull's elevation may well signal the end of religiously motivated language and policy that characterised much of Tony Abbott's tenure. Ooh. Ooh, there's a video. Ooh, I might have to go to that in a minute. And it surely must be a good thing, even from the short distance, it seems clear that Abbott and his ministers couched their dialogue with the Australian people in the language of conservative Christianity that sat at dramatic odds with mainstream Christians. It also sat uncomfortably with the Australian Constitution, which states unambiguously that the nation enjoys a secular system of government, and there's no official or state religion. Religious affiliations does not affect one's status for better or worse. This may have been difficult for newcomers to believe when faced with abbot acolytes such as Erica Betts, claiming that the Judeo Christian ethic is far better is a far better worldview to underpin society, or observing Kevin Andrews accepting the invitation later to be declined, uh, invitation to address the hard-right biblical liberalists at the World Congress of Families, or watching Abbott prioritise over school chaplains as secular councillors, or hearing a chorus of ministers call for Syrian refugees to be chosen on the base of their faith. to be fair, it was not Abbott, a former seminarian, who decided that personal religious affiliations was a matter of public importance for senior figures. The rise of the religious right began in the Howard years. Yes, he was prior to that. The Labour Party, too, has toyed with establishing faith-based credentials. Yes, they have, and that's that's the point in that. Under a Labor government in our state, did we see the rise of access ministries into our state schools, you see. So then, you know, it's both sides are slimy when it comes to this. Kevin Rudd, you may remember, he was a former Labor prime minister. (laughs) Boy, do we remember Kevin. Oh, geez. Uh, Was quick to let the public know that not only did he attend church regularly, he also greatly admired the uh, German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Quite what that had to do with his ability to lead a secular government in a diverse country under an established God-free principles was never clear. Never clear. Mind you, when they open Parliament each time, don't they begin with a prayer? (laughs) I think they do. Religious affiliations kept, uh, kept private are a matter between the individual and chosen deity. Yes, imagine that. Out of all the deities, mine just happened to be the right one. Those same affiliations made public in the pursuit of public uh, policy distort, or they distort the crucial principle that a government elected by part of the electorate will govern nevertheless for all of it. You with me so far? Have you nodded off to sleep? The Abbott cabinet, that's a great name for it. That's a good name for a furniture company. Come to the Abbott, Abbott cabinet. Was so overtly Christian and so blunt in its interpretation of such complex theology that even many other Christians despaired. Abbott's taunting of Muslims like his offensive Holocaust references weren't calculated in, in, insults. Oh, dear me, no. They were the verbal ticks of a blinkered schoolyard zealot. <laughs> the bolshy nature of Abbott's overt averse, averse, religiosity... Uh, was a properly reactionary stance, considering the massive long-term popular movement in the opposite direction. The 2011 census found that 22% of Australians do not claim allegiance to any religion. So, fuck you. Um, a percentage that has swelled mightily from just 0.54 percent in 1911. And so on and so on and so on. Now, what I'm trying to see is that they go on then about people... But where do they get to the point about um, Turnbull doing this? I don't know. According to his biography, Turnbull was once a Presbyterian. Oh, well, there you go. He's now nominally a Catholic. Like all politicians, he's two-faced, dabbling in whatever suits him at the time. Gee, he wouldn't be the first politician to have done that. He openly rejects the church's position on uh, matters such as uh, marriage equality, abortion and stem cell research. Abbott, Abetz and Andrews, yes, Abbott, Abetz and Andrews, are now all on the outer, joining Bernardi in bitter exile. They'll be able to sit up at the back of the class and throw um, rolled-up spitballs of paper at people, I dare say. The religious bluster seems unlikely with this Prime Minister. Perhaps now our secular constitution will be upheld and halal will be a source of food rather than bigotry. Well, I'm sorry... But halal, as long as they're taking money off the top, as far as I'm concerned, is akin to a religious tax. It is. It's not akin. It is a religious tax. And I and I still say we're giving it a rubber stamp and pretending and sweeping it under the carpet. If the Catholic Church had that much tax going on on everything, just a lot of stuff you buy, a lot of stuff, I can quite imagine the latte sippers in the better suburbs would be screaming. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I know the left have a blind spot about this, I'm sorry. Halal should not be allowed on our food. Why on earth are we supporting this? It's just terrible. And I don't care what they say what they do with the money. That's not the point. The point is if it was a Jewish organisation enforcing kosher food on everybody, we'd be screaming. If it was the Catholic Church or even the Anglicans or the happy clappy Pentecostals, getting a portion of the money from a lot of the products that come out of Aldi and a lot of supermarkets. And in fact, where the, the mark is hidden, we would be screening and we well should be. In the same way that the Seventh-day Adventists who run the Sanitarium Health Food Corporation and get as I'm speaking a little bit off the top of my head there, but as far as I know, I don't th- I'm pretty sure they get a tax-free exemption that gives them an unfair advantage. In the same way that the sanitarium health food company should not now I don't know if they've tightened up the laws, but I know uh, certainly until whatever that they get an exemption from paying tax for a lot of stuff, and quite frankly, it's wrong. it's wrong, it doesn't matter what brand of religion is, it's wrong, and it should not and it should not be allowed anyway, never mind. Is that it? Oh, here's one that came up. <laughs> Stephanie Jones put this up, actually, on Facebook, and I I looked at it, I looked at it, and I went, oh, okay. Um, from vice.com. Erotic asphyxiation, the widespread and potentially fatal fetish that no one will talk about. I'll talk about it. Erotic asphyxiation, or EA. See, it's been given a little EA. Oh, do you like a bit of EA? Oh, don't we all? Oh, Let go of my throat. Erotic asphyxiation or EA is the sexual act that involves suffocation. You probably know that already. How to get to that point is up to the individual. Indi- uh, individual, I'm such a, lu- such a lucky individual. You make me feel so young. Rope, hands, bags, cling film, water. The method can be chosen to suit the desired effect. For some, this is just the thrill of being dominated with a hand on the throat. For others, the sensation of oxygen being cut from their brain heightens the intensity of orgasm. For others, the aim is to pass out completely. The negative side effects can range from cardiac arrest to permanent brain damage. The likelihood of this happening increases when E is EA is done alone auto-erotic asphyxiation <clears throat> well they see this is this is still the speculation over uh, Michael Hutchins of in excess some people say it was suicide some people say he was trying to auto asphyxiate himself while the above will be known to anyone who's been through more than a handful of one-night stands. Or porn clips? As a society, we don't know how many fatalities are caused by EA or AEA. No one seems to want to talk about finding their loved ones next to open laptops in dark rooms. The police can't always tell us about it either, because often the ropes and plastic bags are swept under the carpets before they arrive by embarrassed family members. Coroner's reports are frequently inconclusive, barring us it's unfortunate, barring us from understanding sexual suffocation as a modern-day social phenomenon. But we suspect it is. While but while talking about EA might be difficult and potentially dangerous if framed the wrong way, it is also necessary, says Voigt. A considered, inf- uh, a considered, informed, and public discussion needs to happen about EA because, in the words of Dominic Davies, a founder of an independent body for sexual div- diverse sexualities named Pink Therapy, scaremongering or silence doesn't help anyone. The, psycholo- psycho- the, psycho- the, si- the, psychological- the psychology of erotic asphyxiation is incredibly interesting and diffuse as I talked to Jess, a businesswoman, about how she incorporates chokeholds into sex with her partner. It surfaced that the most significant sensation for her was the power dynamic it created. Jess told me that her partner's ability to read her body in the most minute sense when she is left there spasming in the throes of his hold, brought them closer on an emotional level. For me, it's about feeling safe with someone. I want to be with someone who can read me and what my body is doing and who can understand when I'm screaming, he has to stop. Gee, I wonder, in Ballarat, <laughs> on the back. I told you, on the back of our local Power FM radio station, which is just fantastic, we have Jules and what's his name? for breakfast in the morning Jules and Ross and on the back of the van there's a picture of Jules and Ross and Ross has his arm around Jules neck and I used to say "That's terrorist violence against women that is I used to scream and yell and now I'm not so sure because they're smiling maybe they're they're doing the act of auto erotic asphyxiation and just think if they could do it to each other, we wouldn't have to listen to him in the morning. Not that I do anyway, but that's not the point. That's a great station, Power FM. Plays that song by the Fifth Harmony. Baby, I'm a worth it. Where you take a saxophone sample and use it in the most inappropriate sense you possibly can. I hate that sound of that saxophone sample. It's the same once in Thrift Shop and I hate it. Sorry, but I do. Baby, am worth it? No, you're not. Baby, am I worth it? No, you're not. When I'm screaming, oh, sorry, I want to be with someone who can read me and what my body's doing, and understand that when I'm screaming, he has to stop. What you, how can you scream if you're being choked? And that I might not be able to say the safe word. It's about the trust we have. Reminds me of um, episodes of Get Smart. You know, where the guy's laying on the ground and he's going, Aah! and Max says, or the chief says, find out what he's saying, Max. Max kneels down to the man who's on the ground, and the guy goes, and then dies, and then Chief says, what did he say, Max? He said, get your knee off my chest. But stories of EA also take on a much darker hue, talking to three men who've been restricting their own oxygen supply during masturbation from as early as 10 years old that weren't aware that what they're doing could be defined as autoerotic asphyxiation, or that anyone else in the world uh, was even doing it. A 44-year-old man called John, probably not his real name, told me his story. Here we go. Should we put echo? No, probably shouldn't, should we? It's probably wrong. It's just wrong. It's wrong. It's just wrong. At an early age, the idea of being strangled was exciting to me. I wonder if I should, do you think I should send a picture? Should I send this link? Because you can message Jules and Ross at Power FM. And what if I just send this sign and and a copy of the photo that I took at the back of the van? Do you think, I think I'll do that. That could be fun, I think. I think I should. I think they'd like it. It's no good pointing the finger at me. I'm not the one with my photograph with an elbow with my um, with some woman in a headlock. I mean, they don't say they're not doing it. It could leave it open to speculate. I better watch out. There's no, there's no power of free speech in this country. I shall have the Power FM people on my doorstep trying to shut my podcast down. Shut your mouth. At an early age, the idea of being strangled was exciting to me. I'd like to strangle all the people from Power FM. No, I wouldn't. I'm sorry, that's a threat in this day and age. Because they put it on at the swimming pool when I'm there and I just said, please, please turn it off, please turn it off, please turn it off, please turn it off. My first experience was when I was six or seven playing with a neighbour's son in a skipping rope. I don't really remember who instigated, but uh, instigated what next, but I remember being in a garage Oh dear, this is this is getting freaky. Um, stood on a box and he was trying to try the rope around my neck and then onto a hook. Luckily, someone came in and interrupted us. Or well, who knows how that would have ended? Probably not well. Being interrupted, so it's strangulous interruptus, like coitus interruptus. Being interrupted taught me to be ashamed of what we did. I guess that's the same for most people and why it's kept behind closed doors. I suppose it probably is. Because when we get behind closed doors then she lets her hair hang down And I tie it round her neck and choke the living stuffing out of her She makes me glad that I'm a man Because no one knows what goes on behind closed
1: doors.
3: (laughs) It was at that point that John realised the danger of involved and tried to stop. It didn't work out. He continues, It was always there, seeing a strangling scene on TV or a film. Seeing two lads in a playground play fighting or even putting my tie on in the morning and sliding the knot up would give me an erection. Can you strangle your – I suppose you could. You could tie your, tie, the, tie the other end of the tie around your penis and then pull with your neck back and then that tightens the knot around your neck at the same time, also tight, tightening the knot around your penis. So if you're into auto-erotic, autoerotic asphyxiation, and I've just said that, you're probably sitting there with a massive boner or, uh, or you've become juicy. From school to my early 20s, I would practice AEA alone. So it would be AEAA, autoerotic asphyxiation alone, AEAA. Isolated and thinking I was the only person alive that did this. Yes, but then came the internet and we all realised, we all realised we we're all fucked up in our own way. And... Um, <laughs> it's something you realise? Oh, I'm not unique after all. And a part of you says, "Oh, that's a relief." And another part of you says, "Oh, kind of in a way, that sort of pisses me off a bit. I thought I was different." No, you're just another brick in the wall, I'm afraid. What's this other thing? Oh, I'm not safe for work. What's this? Hang on, it's interesting. Oh, these are all the. Oh no, this is just a. Hang on. What is this? Oh right. Oh, hang on. No. A professional orgasm whisperer. How he told us. Someone spent four years taking photos of f- porn. Why all college girls going to college should get a vibrator. Uh, oh dear. Oh, we got a bunch of people to draw us their ideal sex robots. Hmm. The emerging fetish of laying alien eggs inside yourself. Now that's pretty freaky, isn't it? They've got like alien-shaped penises with like silicon eggs and you obviously put them in your bottom or front bottom and you squeeze them in. Uh, I went to a fetish speed dating night in London at a pub. Girls talk about how they masturbate. Lesbian kink or female-friendly girls talk about the kind of porn they watch. How not to break your dick during sex? Oh, there's 27 pages of that. Oh, I just don't have time to do them all. And I was going to say before I noticed too, I was going to read that thing out from. Um, doesn't matter. I um, doesn't matter. I've been anyway. Um, John. <sighs> John, just like just like John, a large number of teenage boys seem to discover EA for themselves. And rather than being able to involve it in their relationships in a positive way, it becomes repressed as part of their sexuality. Daniel Guy, an erotic writer, told me that he came to discover EA as a coping me- mechanism for his fear of the dark. I used to try and survive. I think I must have eroticized the fear and turned it into a wish. So at night time, instead of becoming frightened, frightened by these monsters, I started to invite them in. And then the fantasy continued, involving some point the thought of a plastic bag. And the minute I did, it became crack cocaine. In these discussions, the phrase madman came up a lot, in particularly uh, an upsetting conversation. A guy called Craig told me that it was a curse he couldn't shake. He opened up our phone call by saying, I absolutely hate myself. I would class it as a curse sometimes. I often feel racked with guilt about it. He never delved deeper into the psychological reasons as to why he was attracted to watching peril clips of women drowning. Uh, but it did turn out that someone in his immediate family drowned when he was young. Craig was middle-aged and never had never spoken about it uh, out loud to anyone before. Hmm. Shout it out loud. It's this kind of shame fueled by secrecy which seems to be the most dangerous thing about EA because it forces people to practice alone and not seek out proper education. Daniel Guy told me that with hindsight he could see that he was on a scary path as a young man. I was doing things so dangerously that it was only a matter of time before it would. Leave, I would be discovered dead. Craig, too, without any ideas... Um, Craig, too, without any idea of the danger of auto asphyxiation, sought out increasingly dangerous, increasingly dangerous situations, telling me that as a young man, he used to ride to a secluded spot, put a plastic bag on his head, and then put his bike helmet on top of it for a bit. For a bit of what? He paused. One time, I couldn't loosen the strap on my bike helmet, so I was suffocating and felt like I was going to die, but eventually got it loose. So why didn't they seek out a community to help educate and support them in their experiences? Well, unfortunately, the relationship between EA and the BDSM community, despite their common reliance on psychological interplay between dominance and submission, remains rather murky and unclear. Mm. When talking to authorities in the BDSM and sexual health community, some, such as Pink Therapy, claimed that the BDSM... Uh, Banner does not cover EA or other kinds of rack or high risk edge play such as chemsex. Yes, well, well, I can't speak from personal experience of um, autoerotic asphyxiation. But, but what I can say is that through hearsay and just stuff I just pulled out of my ass like those alien eggs that the BDSM world doesn't doesn't cover really everything it's been an opening up the i think the thing is the BDSM world started out as its own its own little thing but as the internet's come along and more and more freaky dudes and dudettes have turned up the whole BDS thing has had to sort of been widened and i i do feel sometimes that sometimes there is a little resistance from people within inside the community To necessarily let all the other sick motherfuckers in. (laughs) You know, it's a little bit like my kink isn't your kink, but I'm sure you're fucked in the head. Not that that, not that's a case of wall, actually. Many people are very, very welcoming. I shouldn't really say that, but I can sort of see that because I think but I think, you know, the people that were already inside it are as human as the rest of us and it takes a little while to kind of work those things out. But I do think with autoerotic asphyxiation, it's a little more common than what people have thought it was in the past. Judging on my dealings with people who I've talked to, just on a one-to-one basis, and found a few people that are friends and stuff who have confided and said, "Well, actually, I kind of do like being choked. It's kind of kind of a bit of a turn-on." And I think it goes to—I think it goes obviously to varying degrees to some people who just like to do it now and again, and then people who kind of do the thing like it's kind of got to be there. Otherwise, it's not. It doesn't really ring the bell, and I think this is why. I think a lot of people suffer this with the whole freaky fetish scene, is because uh, and the BDSM scene. If you go back a bit, because I guess people feel they can't open up and tell another person because the person likes me for all my other attributes, but when I tell them that, oh my goodness, they're going to either hold it over my head, which happens. It happens. People get blackmailed. I mean, oh, you know, you want to see. Um, when relationships break up, just how nasty people can be who then want to go and tell everybody about their partner's, um, freakiness. The word, the word of advice, if I was talking to somebody out there right now, and it might not be auto asphyxiation, you, it might be some other thing as long as here's, here's the drum with it. Really. If you ain't breaking the law, and when I say breaking the law, obviously, um, you know there are areas such as pedophilia and all those things i mean they're breaking the law because the there are things where people can't consent because you know that is breaking the law you're doing and if you've got that in your psyche you need to go and get yourself some help before things turn very very ugly and bad uh but the wonderfulness of the human brain is that if anything, in our day and age right now, right now, yes, there are closed minds. Of course there are. There are plenty of Corey Bernardis and people out there. There's no shortage of them, unfortunately, but that's the way it is. You might find that there are a lot of people now who do have more open minds who might say your kink isn't my kink, but that's okay. And I have had had this conversation with people who've had to go and tell parents things. Like these are grown-up people, but... Stuff's gone bad, and things have happened, and then someone's threatened to blackmail them, and oh, it goes on. Believe me, it goes on. I've seen it in families and all sorts of things. And you've had to, I've had to say to people, listen, sit your parents down, or sit somebody down, and explain to them, you know, you're the same person you were. They loved you because you, and etc. You're their child, or whatever. you know, you're a grown-up person now, but you're the same person you were and when you admit that perhaps you do this or that they've loved you up till now and that's been a hidden thing that you've hidden away you're no different to the person that they've known and then kind of putting it out there by saying well you know people go along to various functions where these things and some of these people are police officers and ambulance workers and people who work in shops and teachers and lawyers and judges and people and in the rest of their lives, you know, the world hasn't fallen apart, but these are things that go on. And unfortunately, some people do do that and their lives kind of get destroyed because they go and admit this stuff to people they go, you, mother. Oh, yeah. But more often than not, it's quite amazing how people kind of go, oh, okay. All right, then. All right. Well, you know, because there's very few people out there that don't have something I know there are some of them out there, they're as straight as, oh no, they're not into anything that's a little spicy or tasty, but, and I can't prove what I'm about to say next, I can only say this is just an observation, and I can't prove it, but I do think with, with human beings out there, most of us have something going on, and, uh, there are a lot of people who are quite understanding. So, you know, auto is, and I think it is sad because it, it, with autoerotic asphyxiation, it's not like other fetishes of things where people can go and indulge themselves and then just step back out to the world and okay, well, there's nothing. And I guess that's the danger with autoerotic asphyxiation is that, uh, when practiced alone, of course it is very dangerous and, and you can end up, um, you can end up dying. So, you know, it's, we're all, um, yeah, so anyway, we'll, we'll go back to this anyway. Others such as Susan Wright from the National Coalition of Sexual Freedom vehemently told, vehemently told me, well, here we go, there we go, vehemently told me, that EA is not BDSM. That's an act that people actually do in the BDSM community, but aren't really aware of the dangers. This lack of clarity between the two camps is still a big problem. It's a shame about solo EAs, said Ambrosio, as he rung off to head, off, head back to his office. People doing it alone aren't part of the community. He continues, they could find friends to do it with, uh, as also simultaneously... Minimize but not eliminate the risks involved. Yeah, it's, it's a, that's, it is tricky, isn't it? Because someone dies under those circumstances and then the people who are with them are freaking out that the police are going to come and charge them with, um, with murder. Very tricky. It's very tricky. But usually if something like this is inside someone... I mean, here I go again. I'm about to say something I can't prove, but this is just stuff I've heard from people who are psychologists and psychiatry type people. And they say if someone has sort of a fetish or something like this nature, it's usually very hard for that profession to iron it out of you. Generally the profession, and this is just me talking off the top of my head, don't don't write in and go, "Oh, well, you're wrong about that, because I admit I don't know everything about that. But a lot of the times I think they do tend to go to the thing, if it's not illegal what you're doing, and it's not affecting the rest of your life in terms of are you still paying your tax and working a job and getting on with things. They generally don't try and iron those things out of you unless you go to them and say, you've got to get this out of me. It's got to be something that you initiate. And they know that even then it's still very, very hard to, to change that. So I, I, I can't imagine too many. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you. You Look, you might be a person who's listening to this now and, and you might be. But you're definitely not alone. And this is why websites like Life and a lot of those things are very good for that sort of stuff because you can go on and get your little profile and you can go and meet like-minded people and maybe put into some sort of perspective what's going on. We, we may never know the whole thing with Michael Hutchins, whether he was severely depressed and, and decided he was going to end his life or whether he was practising autoerotic asphyxiation. Either way, it, it was an absolute tragedy that we lost him. You know what I mean? Whether whether he was so depressed that he wanted to end his life, because his death, whether it be through erotic, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, asphyxiation or um, suicide, was terrible. Because um, look at look at the effect. Look at look at the effect. He had children, and you know people that loved him very much you know families back here because even big rock stars have people who live back in the real world you know the people who grew up with him in his neighborhood his family his children his ex-partners you know I know by that stage he broken up with Kylie Minogue but I'm pretty sure Kylie would have been absolutely devastated when um, when that happened and not to mention the other effects all these fans and the people that loved in excess and the rest of the people in his band and all of those things for so many people that that life being cut short there was also absolutely life changing and quite devastating to so many people around him. You know, as I say, the guys that were in the band with him, I mean, basically at that point, that was the end of NXS. So, um, if it was autoerotic, and for someone like him, can you imagine it? I mean, this is this is the thing about people who have celebrity status. As I say, I I do believe most people are have their own little peculiarities, and then when you couple that with someone who is a star, uh, a public figure, um, for them they have no an- anonymity and anonymity, and they can't get any. I can't get no anonymity. So you know, I I do look at people who are fenced off by fame. And for some of them, you wonder, where do you go to hang your freak flag out? You know, it's okay for other people. Other people can go hang their freak flag out because um, they're not known by all and sundry. They're not worrying, well, I sell, you know, over a million albums per hour per album or 10 million or whatever. Now, if people know this about me, will our album sales fall through the floor? Will this destroy the career I've got? Because... You know in life you're more than just your fetish you're more than just your stardom you're a whole facet of different things every one of us is to someone you're someone's mum or best friend or dad or uncle or or this person you play golf with or heaven forbid football but you're more than just um that you're a conglomeration of all of those things that make up you so it's re- it's it is it is in, it's terribly sad, um, that because of something that occupies your life, yes, it occupies your life in, in some ways, but if it leads to the demise of you, it's, it's terrible. Even if someone's lucky enough to reach out and find a partner to spot for them, as in check they're okay, the story still often ends in tragedy. These situations are made more scary by the fact that an EA death, there's usually no way to prove that another person wasn't involved in perpetrating the violence. And that they are not there for a murderer, should the possibility that a spotter might end up with a serious criminal charge. Uh, in brackets, aiding and abetting lethal behaviour, manslaughter, or even murder if something goes wrong. Uh, would be enough to put someone off? Well, apparently not, according to this article. The crux of this very technical and often heated debate among the BDSM online community is that however dangerous EA or AEA may be, people will continue to do it. Yes, they will. That's right. And that's the thing about it. For some... Uh, or part of EA's allure stems from the potentiality or for the potential of its fatality. Jess said before and after, I'm very aware of the fact he could kill me, but in a way that risk makes it more enjoyable because you're pushing the boundaries of what you think your body can do. People I spoke to told me with the experience and research they felt completely in control of their actions. Jess said that she puts a hand on a partner's knee to tell him to stop. A Daniel And Daniel Guy says that he can just rip the plastic bag he puts around his head before he passes out. Yet Jay Wiseman, a prominent BDSM spokesman in America, resolutely says of EA that you cannot reduce your odds to zero. He raises a salient point in that nobody knows they're going to pass out until they do, until they forget to put their hand on the knee of the plastic bag. Yeah, okay. But that's the same. But, you know, if you look outside of a sexual sense, what about people who skydive? I mean, what happens if the parachute doesn't open? There's no. When you jump out of a plane, you can't reduce the risk to zero that at some point, maybe some poor bugger, uh, their parachute won't open. Or someone who climbs up the side of a mountain, that a hook you hammer into the uh, side of the mountain won't break or come out of its little thingy me bobs. So. You know, being alive has a risk that you could die, and that is true. Anyway, back to this. So should it be banned? Can we legislate against risk? Daniel Guy told me I put EA in. Oh, there you go. (laughs) He said it for me. There you go. I put EA in the same category as skydiving or cliff jumping. People will die from it. Now, we don't know for some people that skydiving doesn't give them a massive erection either, do we? You know what I mean? you could be sexually attracted to that as well and you you're completely covered by the fact that so many people do it that it's one of those things that you know but i wouldn't ban it uh, it's important just for people to know what the risks are before they do it maybe part of the reason people feel they need to condemn ea is because there's always a moral subjectivity involved in a complimentary in a commentary i should say on sexual quote perversions unquote It is unfortunate, never just a purely psychological discussion, uh, especially in the mainstream media. Daniel Guy said he was once offered psychotherapy from his doctor that would stop him feeling attracted to suffocation. Overall, the sticking point for everyone I talk to about EA seemed to be the rapid pace with which the Internet is is depicting the practice. With extreme porn so readily available to young people, it's obvious that the legislation can't keep up with what people are finding out for themselves, or maybe about themselves. I would say Jess said she didn't say what I said. I had making a subject taboo actually makes it more interesting. Yes, this is coming back to that crazy anti-abortionist that I'm talking about. See. Making It just makes it more interesting, especially for hormonal teenagers who are going to get it wrong. The chances are that half of these teenagers already have watch porn anyway. People should be educated because if you stumble upon it without education, you're more likely to get it wrong. Daniel Guy stated firmly that without proper debate, young kids are going to explore this and are going to explore it in their own way privately, and we don't know anything about it. It's hard to curb... Oh. Pull you to the curb. It's hard to curb the number of people participating in EA as long as people have bodies and dark rooms which, with which to play around with them. Hmm. The only responsibility we have is to stop people dying and the best thing to do is to try and match the prelevance of porn with reliable, honest, and nonpartisan information. Even Jay Wiseman believes that more, not less information about EA is a good thing, saying, I have noticed that when young people are educated regarding the severity and unpredictability of risks, fewer and fewer choose to play in this area, and those who do continue to continue tend to play less often. What an ethical form of EA education would look like is unclear and it's hard to imagine it being taught in schools. Yes, probably. The only clear fact about EA is that it's officially out of the box and you can't and shouldn't try to force it back in. Well, as I say, I think if that's your thing, I I suggest you probably go to FetLife and I think from there you'll find an enormous amount of links about the subject. And, of course, be careful. I mean, there are always people that are going to do extremely dangerous shit, there are people who just, you know, that's they do, but oh, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, what are in the other 27 pages of this thing here? <laughs> it's 2.17, two I've got to bugger off in a minute. I was going to play that thing about the public holiday that we've all got to go and watch the um, parade. Oh, what's this, a bonus look at penis enlargers. mm We pick songs for Pornhub to turn not-safe-for-work music videos. The scientific and personal benefits for not masturbating. Well, I believe as a man of my age, you're supposed to masturbate a lot because it... Well, they claim... Another thing again I can't prove, don't they? They claim that it's supposed to stave off prostate cancer. That's what they claim. But even if it doesn't... Oh, well. (laughs) Getting bound and whipped for a living. My life as a professional sub... The new dildo is a form of activism for people with disabilities. The world's best male escort has is more than his 10-inch penis. What's life like with an enhanced giant silicon penis? Says the professional sub, I had a client who wanted me covered in as many clothespins as he could clamp on. Oh, I might have to read this. You won't mind if I take a little longer, will you? No, of course you won't. Filthy lot. See, this is, I got a book about Graham Kennedy, who was one of our Tonight Show hosts. A very funny man in Australia, and of course, everything had to be double entendre in those days. He said not only could you you couldn't say fuck on television. These days, they not only say fuck on television, they actually do it. I still like the good old double entendre, though. I think there's a place for it. This is Katie bound and blindfolded. This originally article, this appeared originally in Vice UK, apparently. The ignorant ear, being a profession, professional submissive doesn't sound all that appealing. Imagine the job posting on Monster. Yeah, you'll pretty much be tied up and flogged by a stranger for an hour. Probably not going to get too many clicks. Oh, I don't know about that. Of course, if you're enjoying that kind of thing and get paid well to do it, it's actually not far from the perfect job. But considering that more than three quarters of women who enjoy BDSM are believed to be submissive, there are relatively few professional subs, however, in compared with the dominatrixes. Subby Kate, an American who now lives in London, an American subby in London. Yes, could be like American Werewolf in London. I'd like to see that movie made is one of a few working in the UK. I spoke to her recently to find out a little about her day-to-day life. Uh, Vice, what made you decide you wanted to be a professional submissive? Submissive. Katie, I got laid. I got laid off at my job. And the job market was absolutely awful at the time. Couldn't find another job. Very stressed out. Went out for drinks one night with my ex-girlfriend. And she, knowing my proclivity towards all things BDSM, suggested... Looking into work in a dungeon. <laughs> yes, master. The next day I started doing research and applied to a few dungeons. I got hired at a very beautiful dungeon in Midtown and trained there. It was very beautiful. It was mainly dom work. Um, with some submissive sessions on occasion. I don't have a dom bone in my body. So being a dom always felt forced. In this profession, if you don't love what you're doing, it's very obvious. Yes, it would be, wouldn't it? Oh, mistress, chase me around, call me names, and kick me. And uh, okay, you're a um, oh, you're a grubby thing. You probably don't pay your tax on time, and you're quite slovenly. No, that's not what I meant, Miss. Well, it's the best I've got for you. Next patient, please. It was mainly. Do- uh, I don't have a dom bone in my body, so being a, a dom always felt forced in this profession. If you don't love what you're doing. It's very unfair to the client and not good for the worker. For that reason, I decided to take everything I'd learned at the dungeon and start freelancing, doing strictly submissive sessions. It was great. And now I absolutely love what I do and what they do to me. Go on, quick. Oh, it's not a long... Oh, well, thank goodness it's not a long thing. <laughs> is being submissive your only source of income? It is definitely my own source, my only source of income. I get some people who disapprove of sex work and ask... Why don't I get a respectable job? Yeah, but let me guess, they're the ones who come to you on a regular basis, right? It's like all these respectable types, and then sooner or later, don't they always fall from grace? They're always caught in a motel room or something going on. There's always something. See, that's what I'm saying. Everyone's got something going on in there, you know? The world is mad except for ye and me. And I'm not so sure about ye. Ah, why don't I get a respectable job? I always have to giggle. I'm my own boss. I make my own hours. I choose my clients, and I make more in a few hours than most people make in a month. I was actually just asked by a friend of a friend if this was what I envisaged myself doing when I was little. I think my goal, being raised uh, by a strong woman, was always to be independent, so the answer to that question would be a huge yes. How much do you make each session? Well, it really depends on what the session entails. (laughs) Cat of nine tails. But it's normally between 300 and 600 pound, which is about 450 to 900 dollars US. Oh, how the other half do live, I should say. My goodness. What do you do if you're poor? Well, I guess you get a plastic bag out and choke yourself with it. They're cheap, aren't they? I wish I was rich. I do. I really I'm just a poor artistic type with a mobility scooter. Is there anyone out there who'd take pity on a boy like me? Or well, maybe not take pity on me, you might want to be harsh on me or let me be harsh to you. <laughs> anyway, what do your typical sessions entail? Oh, caning, bare-handed spankings are very popular. Role play as well. Usually the classic schoolgirl or secretary. I find lots of clients like controlled orgasms which involves restraining me in some way, then using a vibrator to stimulate me, but not allowing me to orgasm without their permission. Are you allowed to fake it without their permission? If I do so, they allow allow it, then there is some form of punishment. Forced orgasms are also a favorite of my clients. They're pretty much exactly what they sound like. I'm restrained and made to orgasm repeatedly. It sounds amazing, but it becomes very intense and painful. A forced orgasm section session was actually one of the only times I've ever used a safe word. Do you have to give a little bit of a refund if you use a safe word? There are some of the things I do, but if you can think about it, I've most likely done it, or at least been asked to. Oh, and there's a video here. What's this? For more BDSM, watch our doc doc, our documentary, Love is Pain. How long does it go for? 11 minutes. Oh, seems a lot. I'm Steve Murphy. Thank you. No, uh, no, 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 don't, no, don't, no, and no. There's no, this a man who no, changed my no, life forever. No! What? Oh, I hate that. They don't let you pause anything. I, just, I hate that so much. Oh, eleven minutes is such a long time. What's the strangest request you've ever had from a client? Well, I've been doing this for so long that nothing seems strange. I had a man who asked me to lie in an ice bath for as long as I could take it, then lie perfectly still in silence. There was a a client who was also completely symmetry-based. All bruises and marks had to match. So after many hits with the cane on the left side, the other side then had to be marked. Well, yes, you do. You've got to match those things up, I think. You know, I agree with that. We we are pattern-seeking creatures. Very much pattern-seeking creatures are us humans. So if you have five smacks on one cheek, you've got to have five smacks on the other cheek of your bottom. And them's the rules. Assume the position. um, So after many hits with the cane on the left side, the other side then had to be marked exactly the same. I had a client who wanted me covered in as many clothespins as he could clamp on me. The entire session was spent with him counting the number of pins that he could attach to my skin. There's Dutch ADD going on there. Really, though, nothing shocks me or seems to shock me any more. Do you ever worry for your safety since you give these men an element of control over you? Oh, yes, definitely, by the very definition of their profession. Submissives allow themselves to be dominated, and that comes with a lot of risk. That being said, pro-subs aren't a huge market, so those who seek us out do so not for malicious intentions, but because we offer something they're looking for. Also, I never meet a client who can't give me a phone number or address. For the most part, I meet new clients in public for a coffee or a glass of wine first, and if it feels off, I apologise and leave. Do you think that being a submissive is riskier than providing other adult services? For example, escorting. Riskier? I'm not sure. I think it has the potential to be. Certainly, but any adult service where you meet a client alone has its risks. Sure, we allow ourselves to be restrained and dominated but because those things have specific systems in place to make it as safe as possible. Someone always knows the name, the phone number and address of the person I'm meeting. I text when I arrive and when I leave. Although the danger factor that is associated with pro-subs might seem more obvious, I think that all sex workers are at risk and the black backwards laws and discriminations uh, make our jobs unsafe. As long as we are criminalised and thought of as a lesser part of society, no one in, sec- in the sex work industry will ever be completely safe. What kind of men use your services? Do you have a typical client? Oh, not really. The majority are middle-aged professionals. Oh, well, then you do have a typical client, then, if the majority are middle-aged professionals. Well, they're the only ones that can afford it. $450 to $600 US. Do you know what that's like in Pacific Pesos? Like I said, my podcast now used to go, and cost me $18. Now it's nearly 30 bucks US. So $20 US is about $27 Australian, so $600 US would be, you do the math, you work it out. It's a lot. The majority of middle-aged professionals, many in the financial sector and CEO, I do get a broad range of clients, though. I have some who are more my age who tend to want to learn and explore BDSM in a safe, non-judgmental environment. I also have much older clients who are looking for some younger companionship. I had an absolutely amazing client for a while who was 89 years old. What, then he got older? Yeah, probably. But you would have never guessed it by the strength with which he could speck. Is your main motivation sexual or financial? Well, first and foremost, this is my job and it's how I make my living. I definitely think of it as such. That being said, I don't think you could do this job if you didn't enjoy it. If you aren't enjoying the session, the client can tell... Why do you think dominatrix, dominatrix, do, domin, why do, why do you think women doms <laughs> receive so much publicity but their professional submissives receive so little? Well, it's what they deserve. They're submissive. You go over in the corner and be grateful for the tiny amount of, I'm sorry, I, that's me extempor I'm sorry. Stand in the corner now. Place your hands on your head. Push your nose against the wall. Feet apart. A little more, thank you. Now close your eyes and stand there. I will call for you when I am ready. Sorry. Being a dominatrix, for the most part, is fairly acceptable in our culture. Doms are generally portrayed as being strong, powerful women, which is an image that many are comfortable with. Society looks at... Are you still standing there? Get up now and go over there while I'm reading this to you. Even if you're on a train. In fact, if you're on a train, I want you to get up now and go and stand in whatever closest thing the corner of the carriage is. Yes, next to that sweaty man over there. Go and stand there. Go on. That's your job for today if you're traveling into work. Doms are generally portrayed as being strong, powerful. Yeah, we said that. Society looks at professional submissives as victims. They assume assume that we're weak because we allow ourselves to be tied up, spanked, and flogged, and because our hair gets pulled and we beg. Yes. Well, hmm. Yes. Well, my experience of that is that... um, People may well demand that you dominate them and whatever, but they're actually more in control than you think, because after all, they're not gonna let that do they're not gonna let you do that to them unless they want you to do that to them, you see? Topping from the bottom. They think that somehow we need saving and believe that we promote violence against women. None of this is true. Submissives are very strong people and are in no way victims. We enjoy what we do, and anyone in the BDSM community will tell you certainly we're not weak or helpless in any way. I think society definitely needs to start understanding what we do and give us the respect we deserve, or else. How accurate do you think Fifty Shades of Grey's portrayal of the submissive was? Well, I didn't read the book. Oh, well, in that case, then... I guess it's a pointless question asking you that, really. The writing was so god-awful that I couldn't get through it. It made me want to stab myself in the eye. No, don't stab yourself in the eye. Get someone to pay you, let them do it to you, and they can pay for it. Stab me in the eye. That said, I read a good chunk. I thought you didn't read it. And even if you forgive everything else, the fact that at one point the girl calls her safe word and it's ignored means that the book is supporting domestic violence, and anyone in the fetish community knows that the safe word is everything. And if it's spoken, everything stops. Yes, the world actually stops turning. Did you know that? Someone calls out a safe word. <clears throat> everything stops if like in the book it's called and ignored the person that ignored it is not only an asshole but also a criminal finally what advice would you give to women stay in the corner thank you when I, when I stop the podcast you can come out of the corner and then you come and explain to me why you had to be stood there because there's no point in me telling you off if the message isn't sinking in don't just tell it back to me verbatim verbatim I want your own words, thank you, and you need to be grammatically grammatically correct, and you must enunciate, enunciate to me. Finally, (laughs) what advice would you give women who are interested in becoming professional submissives? And by the way, on the way back, fetch the feathered riding crop, please. I wish to be symmetrical. First and foremost, don't do this job if you don't truly enjoy being a submissive. I've talked to many women who, because they've done escort work, thought they could switch to pro-sub work, and they were miserable. It's very easy to fake your way through a role-play session or some light bondage, but when taking a caning or even a hard spanking, the pain is real. I would also say to always trust your instincts. If the situation feels off, leave. Leave. If you meet a new client and you have even the slightest gut feeling that something is off, walk away, provided your ankles aren't in cuffs or something. That's what, yes. Oh, people people have made comments. Wow, Tony, better much. What? This is someone called Jill Malley wrote this. Um, BDSM work is for men too. Check out, oh, any BDSM resource. See for yourself. You too can be a pro in the BDSM world, although the world is pretty pro-feminist, so clearly you wouldn't be happy in it. Why uh, is that? Because this is attached to a thread, and we've no. Oh right, okay. Sometimes they're attached to something. And they work backwards. It makes it kind of hard. Yeah, Literally. Yes, I'm not going to read the comments because yeah, they're too. They're all sorry. Can't be done. So it's a public fr- a public holiday Friday here for sport for sport. And that's what I did see before and I oh, here we go, featured videos. Melbourne Grand Final Eve is a ghost town. Oh three AW host Neil Mitchell Harris's, the Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews, about following through with today's grand final public parade. Let's see whether our public holiday has turned out to be a success. but it is if someone's got the day off just for I mean I hate football, but you know, I press play, come on. Will we get an ad for something in the first thing? Have I ever told you about the benefits of driving with Uber? You can wear your favourite fetish clothes underneath your normal taxi driving type clothes. No one will mind.
4: Snap up a safe.
3: No one will mind. You can. You could wear a corset, high heels, fishnets, whatever you want. We don't care. Or one of those leathery vest things that has all ring things in it. Yes, you can. You've been in town? Yep, Uh, here we go. Well, you've ruined it. It's a ghost town. Oh dear. and this is this is one of the great days
2: on our calendar, Grand Final oh, Eve, dear. Melbourne normally is jumping. you got people going to work wearing their footy, jerseys. Yeah, you've got and then, parties and, and, and lunches. Then, and then, well, look, I've had a few people put it to me that it's a terrible productivity burden. Because like, yeah. all those blokes in suits used to go back to work after the Grand Final Parade and Grand Final... Last yeah. Don't be nasty the blokes in suits, they come probably on. work the next This day. is, think of all those families yep. in the outer suburbs who'll oh, yeah. be able to come in today yep. with their kids Great. and be part of this. And yep. they've never been allowed to previously. I'll give you another example. Yep. The uh, Bonala Cup. Yeah. Cup, Cup th- yeah. not far from where I grew up. 300% increase on the packages that they've sold. They reckon it's going to talking about whose package? I've ever seen. We've got reports from wineries, from hotels. The AHA tell us the place oh. is booked, not just in Melbourne, nah. which is pretty typical, you know, yeah. p- particularly when you've got the West coming okay. over, but right across regional Victoria. You can't get a hotel room in Geelong, the Ballerine, the Surf Coast, the oh. North East. Yeah, right up to Mildura. Their ticket sales are through the roof for the country music festival. OK, so you say overall it's making money, isn't Abs- it? Well, overall, it's a great day for families. Overall, regional tourism is getting a huge boost out of this. Um, now, we'll know more about this harder numbers if you like next week. But Okay, what, I wanted to ask you about that. What are you going to do? What sort of uh, research or assessment will you do on the numbers? Is Pricewaterhouse well, going to do it again? Oh, I'm not sure what will happen Bob, in terms of review, that? but oh, uh, in terms outside. of things like the regional tourism boards will be able to give us a much clearer picture after the event, That's sort yeah. of So, of logic, will you review you, you that? Will you sit down and well, review and say, yeah, it worked, no, it didn't? Well, we always look at things too. We We're fucked all about up. trying to improve things, trying to have constant improvement. So, are so, you locked into it long term? Should well, you. We keep our promises, Neil, and we said hmm. that we there would be out. a grand final on weekend. And here it is. And the feedback that I've had so far, uh, and whilst there are some people who don't agree with it, and they're the ones perhaps mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. picking up the phone, mm-hmm. ringing you and
3: me. So this has been our Good Friday for sport. I think Daniel Andrews, our um, Premier, needs to be taken to a professional and, dominatrix and give him a bit of a spanking. <coughs> now. I didn't hear all that because I, I had to. So I'm out. At... See, I'm out of breath. I got up. I'm out of breath. You still stay in the corner over there, thank you. Don't you be sneaking around and looking. If I see you turn around and look at me one more time, that's an extra welt for each cheek of your bottom. You stay over there. Now, I think. Um... This, I found this Barry Humphrey CD. Now, this is Edna's hymn. I'm going to go out on this. This is only of limited interest to only a few people. A lot of people won't find this funny, but then <laughs> it's the nature of this podcast. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Here we go.
5: When I get home from a day shopping in a city street, I pop on the kettle, though I'm nearly dropping on my feet. Make a nice cup of tea, then I switch on my favourite channel. It's the best time for me as I flick off my flyaway panel When we've been out for a treat at the flesh and blood theatre If you call it a treat peering up and down the street for a metre I think of old songs and the memories they bring back While my thoughtful norm helps me off with my left and right sling back And I think of old songs from old shows as I powder my nose and I think of a dear old hymn that time will never dim for me before I met my norm it was the their star Our hoover vacuum cleaners Our Cadbury's chocolate bar Our cloth old all snowy For our stroll picnic spread Where hums the humble blowy And beetroot stains the bread All things and Big smiling beaches The smell of thick quick tan Our lovely juicy peaches That never blow the can Our gorgeous modern cities So famed throughout the earth The Paris end of Collins Street the Melbourne end of Perth All things bright and beautiful the cynics sneer and plot All things wise and
4: wonderful
5: Australia's got a lot The fabricks that we scrape off those we Australian chins the sprinkle inside our rubbish bins, our plate-glass picture windows, Venetians open wide. In the land where nothing happens, there's nothing much to hide. All is bright and beautiful. Sauces. Australia is a Saturday with races on the tranny. Australia is the talcy smell of someone else's granny. Australia
1: Whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind? Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. No, no, no.
0: I think about you day and night It's only right To think about the girl you love And hold it tight So happy together If I should call you up Invest a time And say you belong to me And ease my mind Imagine how the world could be So profound So happy together
1: Is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Oh no man. Oh no man. Oh no man. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind. Oh no man. Oh no man. Someone whose heart is so dark it cannot be swayed by pity, emotion, or human compassion of any kind.
3: Beh, we're coming. Smireness. Deh, was nah, guess guessed me.
2: Get in on driving with Uber, becoming your own boss.
3: Me on dot com. Now take your hands off your head, turn around and walk over here.